Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom. I'm Dave and I'm here with Richard. Rich, how are you? Hello again. I'm not too bad yourself. I'm very well, man. I'm very well. And we're embracing a new technology to try and improve signal quality, sound quality. And uh, a lot of signal ventures, we've aimed for the moon many times, Rich, and and I don't feel we always find the moon. Uh, Sometimes we get lost on an asteroid. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's why they say you should aim for the moon, because even if you miss, you hit the stars. Well, that's it. We've suddenly hit all, all the cold, black depths of space. That's um, just as good. Yeah, indeed. So, look, uh, an exciting one. Uh, this week we're doing a Justice League. Is it Justice League Classified? Uh, Roger Stern and I think John Byrne on Art Duties. Uh, is that mm. Trade of the Week? Yeah. Which was my choice. And the next week it's your choice, Richard. Uh, this was actually Michael Kellersham's uh, pick. So I gave Michael Kellersham, uh, one of our biggest supporters and one of our biggest listeners, he's, and he's provided us with another email this week. Um, it's been an exciting week, uh, a crazy week. Uh, Ukraine, World War Three on the horizon. Look unto the east, as Johnny Cash once said, Rich, do you, do you feel this is the end? Are we closing in, end game? Oh, jeez, I mean, who knows these days? Like, um, yeah. I mean, if one thing it says is that Russia clearly has got enough people or feels they've got enough people in their pocket to be this brazen because I mean they they supply quite a bit of countries now with gas and yeah and energy and stuff and all that so they must feel like um, untouchable yeah they, yeah they, yeah they must feel like yeah we we're good we we can do the shit and no one's going to do anything so yeah well I mean certainly to this point um, sanctions have certainly not uh, stopped old Putin he is rolling on with these tanks well I missiles mean, but, that's, and- but that's been Russia forever though I mean. Yeah. You know, Russia's always been a hungry wolf. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's ever going to change. Yeah, I agree. It is. It's just a little bit more scary as we get uh, further into human civilization, and uh, they've obviously got nuclear weapons, and so do we, and that makes it all the more uh, a dangerous game of chess being played, I think. And and sadly, it's a game of chess for those at a distance, but I do feel for those who are directly, you know, feeling the assault like in Ukraine right now. That's who I feel for, for the people who are, who are just pawns, you know what I mean? Like, they, they really are mm. just pawns. It could be, if not for, you know, the location that we live in, it could be us, frankly, you know? Yeah. Well, I and mean, look, I mean, we'll, uh, the, Russia's been trying to get back its its states for sure. decades now, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they've always, always, always tried to, always been trying to rebuild the Soviet empire. Yeah. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah, that's always been a big thing for him. But anyway, so, I mean, I, I had a cool picture. It was like a Terminator, but it was uh, smoking like a cigar. <laughs> and I said, I'll send it to you. And I, and I sent it to my sister and said, the future of war. Look at it. Gaze upon oh, it. Yes, probably. Yeah, we're not far away, man. We're not far away. It was almost Joe Pine. Do you know Joe Pineapples from the ABC Warriors from 2000 AD? It was almost a bit like him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the robot assassin, man. One of my favorite characters. Um, now, yeah, so it's been a big week, uh, not the heaviest news week in history and hence it could be a a slightly shorter show, but we've still got plenty of material to get through. The comicsology debacle continues. Um, Bleeding Cool put out 
basically user experience. Bleeding cool for once in their lives are actually on a story where they're reporting the facts. And there's a lot of dissatisfied users that are that are flooding Comixology. Comixology support are address, not even addressing issues. They're answering some questions and leaving others unanswered, which they've certainly done with me. Um, the app seems to be working a bit better than it was a week ago. Like at first, I it was it was so poor in the first two days, Rich, that I switched to Kindle, and then I've I've actually swung back to Comixology app as as they've sort of started to it's a bit more functional and uh, things are getting sorted better. So I've, I've kind of swung back to using the Comixology app for my comics, keeping the Kindle app for my books, you know, my prose books at this point in time. That's how I'm acting. But there are a lot of concerns. Now, Comixology put out, um, you know, they've been getting hammered and they put out like a 10, uh, it's not long. Uh, they've like, we want to, this was on Twitter, we want to take a moment to address the transition to our new app and comics web store experience. We know this process has been far from seamless and we've heard your feedback. We understand how important improving the web reader experience is. They're talking about actually reading on desktops and we are working as fast as possible to implement those improvements. This is our top priority right now. I would say also work on your own damn app. Um, we've already rolled out an update to the Fire OS app and we are working on a bug fix for books that aren't loading in HD, which is one of the biggest problems. A lot of books, Rich, um, which people which previously were in HD, were not in HD with the new with the new app and uh, in the Kindle app. Mm. Uh, we're making a lot of other updates, prioritizing fast incremental improvements to ease the hardest pain points. Good. Uh, soon we'll be rolling out updates to our new releases filter on the new releases page, which is where they're getting a lot of pushback. That um, they're so determined to tell you about the Comicsology originals. On that on that page, that it's really hard to work out what's coming out this week uh, on the regular books and from from regular publishers because it's like we don't need so much of the of the page to be taken up with the Comicsology originals. You don't have that many, whereas there's a ton of other stuff. So we'll keep the new more new releases category up to date with all the new releases for the week. Uh, while we work on these and other refinements, we wanted to highlight some things that we've heard customers couldn't find but are just still available. Guided view is still available. Just double tap a panel to enter or exit guided view. I, I, I had no problems finding guided view. Uh, all your purchases are available via the account page on the web, along with DRM free uploads for books purchased prior to the 4.0 update. That was another thing that they were removing um, the DRM free uh, stuff. So anything you bought DRM free previous to this update, I guess you, you, you'd be able to get again. Um, and then they just bullshit on moving to the new code base and away from our dedicated web experience was a tough call, but it's an important step towards our long-term goals to share our love of comics, manga and graphic novels to reach more lifelong fans. Uh, and that's just bullshit, bullshit. Um, you know, after that, like just nothing. So what do you make of it, Rich? Uh, obviously they realize they put out a full product. Uh, they are, it has become a bit more, uh, not even user friendly. It's just become more functional than it was a week ago when we last spoke. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's certainly uh, it's it's a roller coaster ride. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like every yeah. week, there's just uh, new information, new shit, new debacles, new stuff. I mean, it sounds that from what I said a couple of weeks ago, where I was like, the, the problem is we live in a world now where it's acceptable to push out a incomplete product. Yeah, and then fix product. it as you go. Yes, and, which, which games know, do a lot, don't they? Yeah, games are and, very, you know. Yeah, but it's not just games. I think new streaming stuff, new apps, they all just seem to be just get it out now and we'll fix it as as we go, which 
you know, it, it sounds like it's the same thing is that yeah. they've reworked the entire thing. They didn't get it completely finished. They just wanted to get it out and they'll yeah. fix it as they go. Yeah. Which yeah. is bullshit. It, yeah, it is. I'm not, a, I'm not personally a fan of that strategy. I, I sort of hate that strategy if I can be hundred percent honest, but I also am a realist in, in, in a way. And I realize that no app uh, or is that they put out these days. Nothing's perfect ever. There's always refinements, but this one feels like it's been particularly shoddy. And I think it speaks to the arrogance, I think, of or the lack of prioritization that comics are in the marketplace. That Amazon felt quite comfortable that they could they could roll this out. They don't get hurt that much. The sales aren't that massive. The the hidden revenue isn't that huge. And they can just keep rolling. Like they've obviously got a very successful product with the Kindle, you know, in general, like, you know, the Kindle books and stuff like must do very well for them. And so they're sort of like, well, let's just roll it in. We'll get some pushback, but really we're, we're not even dealing with probably a hundred thousand readers, you know, worldwide that are, that are paying oh. attention. What do you think? Uh, there's, there's probably a bit more readers in there. Maybe. Yeah. You reckon? Uh, How many? But... How many readers? A million? Maybe a, bit say, more. Would, Maybe a few more. No, I would say minimum, minimum, like a minimum, yeah. minimum. Like, I mean, that, that that would still be to me lowballing it. It must be yeah. because it's supposed to be worldwide. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, I mean, either that or comic sales are completely in the toilet. Because the only way that you can explain for so many like comic shops closing and stuff is that yeah. if digital is up. And they but do. You can't, you can't they say never... digital is down plus the store is yeah. down because then it's like, well, who's reading comics then? Yeah. And they do say that that COVID did help the digital experience, which which makes sense. Like it would it would stand to reason that the COVID lockdowns and everything, digital readership would have gone up. That that makes sense. I don't know if it's true, but it would make sense. Well, it's in the yeah. I mean, look, it 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 probably won't stay up there because some people would have just been using that as a a stopgap. Yep. Until they could go to the comic shops again, but I'm sure there's going to be a, a, at least a fair percentage of people who are like, oh, I'll just stick with this now. Yeah, you know, maybe like they that. never gave yeah. it a go before, or or yeah. something like that. And now they're like, "Oh no, I'm I'm happy with this now. I'll only really maybe go buy the stuff I really want, or maybe I'll just do the trades." Like that's what happened you know, with like me. We do now, and yeah. yeah, so you know, but it's hard to know, man, because he's, no one releases figures anymore. I know, it's like, frustrating. It's, you cannot get figures on anything. No, I, I actually hate it. Like, I I understand that ratings were always a flawed system, but I hate the the way that these companies trying to make out like they can't possibly release figures of course you could you just, you just don't want to be transparent like that's the that's basically what it comes down to you want to say stuff like oh it's our biggest month on record ever and we're supposed to just and we're supposed to just accept the corporate like line we're just supposed to believe that are we really when we know uh that these corporations exist you know to basically make as much money as possible they'll never admit to weakness. no so I, I, well, i'm sorry i i call it all bullshit i call yeah. it all bullshit until they give numbers Totally agree. Totally agree with you, Rich. I, I think that's it's the only wise way to really be. I mean, it's the only it's the only way that makes sense. You know, because again, when something has been truly successful, they have released numbers. Yeah, every now and then, you're right. Every now and then, there's something, and they're like, "Oh, this is you know, forty million. You know, people have watched this. It's like the biggest thing we've had. You know, this year, blah blah blah. Like, but it's it's rare that they do that shit. Yeah, you know, like, but that's um, but that just shows you how rare something is good. I get, or like has been successful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, so look, it's a, it's a work in progress. We'll stay on the story. 
I mean, I remember I went away with Michelle and um, we were on like a holiday and and I actually, in one of the, you know, kind of lounging about moments, disco- like discovered really comicsology for the first time. And I was reading Spider-Man. I was JMS's Spider-Man. And I was just like, man, this is great. You know, I can just be kicking back, like literally in a hammock at the beach reading these issues didn't have to have my books with me. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just like, it was, it was a really, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, wow, this is a really great experience. And I've been a convert ever since, but I do buy a lot of um, hardcovers and trades, you know, still and more probably than I ever did. I just completely stopped buying the monthly single paper. Do you buy any still rich? Do you buy any monthly singles? No. Or not like paper ones? Not, not, yeah. Not physical. No. Not physical, yeah. You, we're sort of the same like that, but you, you, you buy um, trades and stuff, right? You get trades and yeah. whatever else. Well, the funny thing is what got me into digital wasn't comics, it was novels. Yes, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because when I was traveling a, a lot, mm. uh, there was one time when I was working a really long job and it was like pretty much like at least two hours on the train a day. Yeah. So it was just good to have a collection of novels and stuff because, you know, you could start reading something and you're like, I'm really not enjoying this. And then I could just close it and open up another one. You know what I mean? I could buy a couple and just have them in case I'm not enjoying something. Whereas you couldn't really do that with actual novels. You know what I mean? You can't go fill your bag no, with, no. with novels and stuff. So no, it was actually novels that got me into digital. And then, um, it just, yeah, it just became a bit of a chore, um, uh, get into the comic shops and all that sure, at, sure. at some point and all that. So then, um, I was just like, oh, I'll just, I'll just, um, I kind of stopped even buying singles altogether and I would just literally wait for a trade. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, that's what I do. I mean, I, you know, obviously for the show we're, we're reading singles, but like I'm, I'm a big trade buyer. This week, actually, I got, got a few good ones. I got the Legionnaires book too, because that's what we covered on uh, Legion Outpost this week. So shout out to any signal listeners, the Doombots, as I called them, or the Doomsters, as Michelle wants to call them, but I like calling them the Doombots. Um, Check out Legion Outpost that I did with Adam. We just recorded a new episode earlier today. So that episode will be put up tomorrow along with this current episode you're listening to. Um, and I got, what else did I get? I got um, Babylon 5 book came in. A few other things came in. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but um, it just shows you how much stuff must come in that I just totally forget <laughs> what fucking like. I, I am fighting with Amazon at the moment over my Batman No Man's Land omnibus, which is taking its sweet old time to get here, and I am just kicking up a stink. Really frustrates me with Amazon where you pre-order and then they never have it. And I'm like, but I can see it in the US store, but it's like 50 bucks more. So why, why should I pay 50 bucks more for a book that I've pre-ordered you know, from the same store. Um, okay, so let's have a look. What? Oh, yeah, my Judge Dredd um, case files thirty eight came in, so I'm completely up to date with the case files, and my Roger Zelaney um, book, uh, the Amber Chronicles. And I'm going to give you my old copy of the Amber Chronicles, Rich, because I've gotten the new one. Mm. So it's just a paperback. It's, it's a good fantasy series, and I honestly look. My paperback's in a pretty dodgy state but like seriously i reckon you might actually enjoy it it's it's Is a it pretty called cool the chronicles of amber or yes. the amber chronicles uh chronicles of amber that's yeah, the, as I, that's said, I wasn't i wasn't familiar with this um the series well i'd never heard of it i i bought it on a total impulse buy years ago you know you know when you just buy something because you see you see that it's been well regarded i'd never heard of it 
my whole life. I bought it and I I absolutely adored it. It's it's crazy, but it's it's good crazy. Um, yeah, and my Inferno Omnibus came in as well, so that was good. So, you know, I'm doing okay. Um, but yeah, I am really frustrated by this Batman's No Man's Land Omnibus, like the way that um, I'm worried that it's going to go out of print. So I'm, I'm hoping that the store gets some copies soon. And they and they can come to my greedy little hands, Rich, because you know <laughs> otherwise it's just a tragedy, the likes of which the world has rarely seen since, obviously, the invasion of uh, Ukraine uh, yesterday. So <laughs> it's really been now. Um, I, I did have a title here, which is Apocalypse Now, because that's currently the world we're living in. Obviously, uh, I know Chuck uh, Dixon has got a um, couple of news items. He's got uh, on his. Uh, page where, where he has all the all the comics, all the web comics. Um, he's got one that's basically it's called Q Anon or something. It's it's Q something. Anyway, it's it, it's kind of like a Black Ops guy, and he's actually got that guy going into the Ukraine this week. Uh, I don't know, getting up to some sort of mischief. Who knows what? But if you're after like if you like Call of Duty Black Ops, if you want a comic that is like that, um, kind of military style Black Ops action. I really recommend it, and uh, I'm doing a really bad job of promoting it by not by actually forgetting the name of the um, the the people that he actually um, he he puts it out through. So I'll, I will find it for you now. Let's do a live signal search because I recommend this. Actually, I, I'm I'm a member of the Patreon, um, but I believe that you can get a lot of this. A lot of this stuff I is think actually you're referring to Ultra Q. Is that right? Yes, yes, I am. Thank you, thank you, Richard. Like, I'm glad there is one professional on the show. Um, and can you, while you're at it, Rich, can you also, have you got the link there to the site? Um, that, you oh, know, the, I know, I, I think it's Vox. Yeah, it is. I'm going to bring it up now. I know no, you can I, get it over Amazon and all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, the, the, the other collected stuff is on Amazon, Yeah, but I mean, uh, but I would assume that you can also get it from the Vox. Yes, it's, day. I found it. It's Arkhaven Comics. Oh, that's, Ark, yeah, yeah. Ark as in like Noah's Ark, and then havencomics.com. Now, I, I thoroughly recommend this um, this really cool storyline. It's, 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 it's military. Have you read it, Rich? It's military black ops is basically how I describe it. He's going up against terrorists and, and you know, threats um, to the US. Yeah, it's, look, it's, 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 in a sense, it's kind of like um, Bourne, but... Minus yeah. the memory loss and being on the run, it's basically like he's yeah he's like yeah. a he's a government agent. Yeah, uh, that's it. It's not James Bond. It's more no, um, no. it's more it's born. Like Black Ops. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but I mean it's more like Bourne. Yeah, but kind of with uh, James Bond, where he's still working for the the government. Is an yeah, agent. he's not he's on the run from the so government. He's imagine it's born before he loses his memory. <laughs> which I, which frankly, between you and me, when I. I read the Bourne novels like back in the like eighties. You know what I mean, like uh, mid eighties, and and had never th- I enjoyed them, had never thought of them once until those movies came out, and I really really enjoyed those movies. But I always felt like, man, it'd be good to have one where he's not on the run, where he's actually doing the missions. You know, um, and I and and as you say, look, I I I think Chuck puts out a lot of really good content on that archive and comics. There's something for everyone, but it, he's literally sending that guy in, into the Ukraine this week, which I love. I love it when 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 writers do stuff like this. Writers who know what they're doing as well. You know what I mean? Like Chuck Dixon. It's not his first time around the block, Rich. Would you agree? 
you know. Oh yeah, well, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a statesman. He's an elder yeah, statesman. Not, well, yeah, it's it's not his first fucking comic. He, he knows the fucking lie of the land, and and I want to give a big shout out to this comic. And I love that he's because this is what he used to do with Punisher: rip st- stories from the headlines and throw Punisher into these situations. And and I think this is a great opportunity. So I I am all on board this week for All Hero Q. Uh, as well, in other Chuck Dixon news, he he is obviously one of our you know key statesman on the show um it does the introduction uh moon knight i've been lobbying uh with ray i've been lobbying marvel and cb in particular to put out the chuck dixon collection of moon knight he had like a 30 plus issue run that's excellent um late 80s was sort of just before he really got onto punisher full-time okay um he was probably getting some of his first punisher work but this Moon Knight runner Chucks is fantastic. It's probably my favourite Moon Knight. Uh, he he follows. It's not directly after Doug Munch, but it's not far. Anyway, so I think it's volume three or four, epic collection. I'll bring it up uh, while we're talking, and as well as including a few miniseries before Chucks run, it will cover the first six. Um, the, the first six issues, I believe, of Chuck's run, as I said. So the next epic collection should pretty much cover his whole run. Uh, have you read his uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight run? No, I'm not a I'm not a Moon Knight guy. Well, dude, I you know I don't mind Moon Knight, but, but this is like he he doesn't entangle himself in the um in the like the psychosis too much. It's more action orientated. Mm. Um, which I like. And he also does stories where it was when Mark Spector was a mercenary, which I like as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff to like. Now, I think, again, Rich, I think for the second week in a row, we've got the rain falling, man. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I, believe I, can't, so. I can't hear it from my fortress of Yeah, no, I, I can hear it through my microphone. So listeners may hear it. It's raining out in Georgia, the quote Elvis. It's raining out in Georgia. And, you know, from Elvis 72 and the guys, his little handle is trying to give him the glasses to put on because Elvis's eyes are a bit glazed. He's just had a long concert. But it's Renard and Georgia. And then finally he gets the glasses on. He's like humming to himself. What a great man. What a fucking great man. You know, in terms of entertainers, Rich, you know who I put up front? He, listen to this four. Tell me if you can go wrong with this four. Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, and I'll sit down. You know? What, what do you think of that fall, Rich? Um, winning, winning hand? <laughs> Come on. I, pr- I, 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 get, I, I was with you for the first two, and the other That's two, I'm like, I, I, I think you could do a debate with the other. Oh, Bob Dylan's got it rolling. Come on. Well, for you, yes. Not for me. <laughs> I think he gets on the fucking bus, man. I think Bob Dylan makes a team photo, That's, dude. That's your winning hand. Well, what's your winning hand? If you if you say you agree with me on Elvis and Frank Sinatra, which I I think no one can disagree with, unless you're insane. Um, who who are you throwing in? Who if you have to throw in two others, male or female, can you know, gender oh, neutral, Jesus. whatever you want. Come on, Rich, you've got someone who's so fucking good that we don't know about. No, you're putting me on the spot. You've there. got nothing, Rich. You, Rich has got nothing. What are you going to say, like fucking Michael Jackson or something? Like, come on, man. No, I mean, look, I mean, I only like Michael Jackson's early stuff. Um, I'm not so actually a fan of. I'm not a fan of Michael Jackson's like later career, but so I mean, like the last twenty five. I mean, of his career. No, I'm I'm serious. Like you know, his his uh, his album or his record off the wall. I mean, that's that's yeah. probably the best Michael Jackson 
like solo Michael Jackson you can get. So I do, I'd say Michael Jackson's up there, but it's more of a mixed bag with him. I think his early stuff is like really great and classic, you know, especially like the Jackson five and then his early, early solo. Oh yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, It's it's good shit. Actually, his early stuff, you know? Yeah. But I mean, well, but but are we only going for single artists or? Well, you can put a group in if you want, Richie. Like, we're trying to we're trying to do we're trying to do icons that can make the make the on the bus by themselves. They don't need a fucking band to get them on the bus. But if if you must have a band, you must have a band. Well, I was going to say the Beatles is like sure classic. I mean, if you split them into their components, though, I'd just take John Lennon. If I was getting oh, on the bus, I'd say man. John, get on the bus, John. All I on. guess I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, um... The Beatles are close. Yeah, I, I go for Beatles George, though. You do like I love George Harrison, man. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 love George. I, I George would be my pick if I if I went because uh, I kind of feel like he was more like that under the radar guy that just did this really great music, but he was overshadowed by like yeah the the, the drama and the celebrityhood of the other two. Although I, will, uh, I mean I'm I'm a George Harrison fan like lifelong, so I mean I I mean I love George, and and of course the Beatles should get on the bus, but. I mean, if you stack up, literally, if you stack up their solo work, add their work in the Beatles, I mean, in the Beatles, like, George, you know, struggled to get songs on albums because there was just so many strong Lennon McCartney songs. In his solo career, George started with a blast. But, mm. you know, he, he tapered off, but then he came back with the Travelling Wilburys in, later in his career, you know? And, yeah, uh, look, but again, it's, it, but again, this is all really subjective at the end of the day oh. because because yeah. music again um, and and artists sort of they like they touch everyone a bit differently, sure. or, or they resonate and they connect with everyone. It's true. So, like but but, a, no, yeah. but if you're picking a Beatle, you you pick George, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you had to say you have to pick one Beatle, okay. For me, it's just George, right? Um, For me, I I'd love to pick George, but if I have to pick one, it'd be John, and if I pick two, it'd be John and George, frankly, you know. Yeah. Um, but I love John Lennon. Um, I've always yeah. loved John Lennon. You know. You know, but I mean, there's just so many swoon in. Swoon well, in but my have brain. you got some? You've said so many, many, but you've given us nothing. Have you got? Well, I you know, said the Beatles as a as a group, as, a group. as like uh, if you were to pick music that you would just say like is yeah. t- uh, timeless or seminal or just like sure. covers so many bases and it's just like phenomenal. Yeah. I think the Beatles just. I mean, they went from strength to strength to strength. Like. Yeah. They kind well, of almost, right. they also ended their career on like a high note when they yeah. ended. They knew when to walk they, away. They were still at, yeah, they were still at the top. Yeah, they knew when to walk away, which I think is only adds to their mystique because they, it wasn't like they did two albums and retired. They did a fucking, you know, eight, nine, ten, I don't know how many, but a lot. Mm. And then they said, you know what, it's, it's, we're almost too fucking big and we can't, the group can't contain the four of us anymore. And, you know? and honestly, for, for me, um, if, if I'm just going to pick my favorite, I would, I would pick, uh, Freddie Mercury. Like, I think that I, I agree with you. I think Freddie Mercury, uh, such a great performer. I, 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 yeah, I think Freddie Mercury's definitely, uh, belongs in the conversation for sure. I think yeah, Freddie so, Mercury I mean, is know, such a rare. That's talent. what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's just so hard. I mean, you're going to pick a top four, everyone's top four is going to be. Of course, a bit different. You might get some overlaps, but sure. it's, always, it's always. I mean, I'm sure some people might even put Elton John in sure. their top four. You know what I mean? So, Love Elton, yeah, Tiny Dancer, Crocodile Rock, a lot of good songs. Yeah. I mean, I hits. know my I know my old man would put Whitney Houston in his top four. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I will always love you, as I say. 
you know? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be like, get the fuck off the bus, Whitney. Like, Jesus Christ, it's going to drive me crazy after about five minutes. But um, Actually, I'm not a big fan of the I Will Always Love You song because I always associate that with Dolly Parton. Um, I quite yeah. like her more poppy stuff, you know, like How Will I Know yeah. um, and, and Dance and all this. Like, I kind of like her more poppy stuff where she was having a bit more fun. I, I had a girlfriend who just catchy. wouldn't stop playing Whitney Houston and Janet Jackson uh, like and Michael Jackson. And I'll never forget there was like a – that was all her tastes, like all those kind of singers, which I don't <laughs> mind any of them, but like too much of them is too much. And there was one yeah. dinner party, and one of, it was one of Michael Jackson. He was still alive, but it was probably his last album. I want to say it was called Invincible. Um, maybe it wasn't, but it was something like that. Anyway, the album came out. It's atrocious. But she was like a – she was she was the Michael Jackson fan that I am a Bob Dylan. You know what I mean? Like she would, give, which I which I understand. Like I, I get it. That's her artist. So anyway, she put this thing on at the dinner party. It must have played four times, and and finally one of her one of her friends said, "Can you can we switch? Can we get rid of this Michael Jackson <laughs> shit?" <laughs> We're kind of humouring. It might have even been a birthday. So, and finally someone's gone. Can we you know call it a day on on Invincible? <laughs> Can, can we I not? Think, can we not, please? Yeah, I, I, all I know is I, that whole fucking album, it was, and it was really bad as well. Like, you know, you know, when the artist like put craps out that last album, you know, you're just like, oh my God. Like, if you were a new artist, there's no way this would get released, but because you, it's getting released purely on your name kind of thing, you know, um, it was mm. pretty funny. Held <laughs> like, the marketing department. <laughs> it, was, it was putting that out. Now, um, Okay, so you've had some good ones, Richard. You, you can't, I was, I wanted, to, I was digging deep, you know, to get something from you. When I got Freddie Mercury, I'm happy with that. You know, I'm happy with that, Richard. I think you've given a decent answer. You know, but really, if you were on a bus, would you want to hear Winnie Houston wailing all day long? Would you really? No, no, I didn't say. I said that was my dad. I said my dad. Oh, you did. He's top four. Actually, another female artist. My dad really, really sort of loves is Tina Turner. She's good. I tell you, uh, an artist I really enjoy, a Cheryl Crow. I've, I've actually almost liked every song that I've ever heard. I really like Cheryl Crow. I think she's underrated, frankly. I think she's. I think one she's of those rated just enough. <laughs> but that's what everyone says. That I've always, I've always like responded to her music. I, I, I think she's. Very Look, catchy. I think she's a good songwriter. I, yeah. I, I think, I think Cheryl Crow is a much better songwriter than a singer. Okay. Yeah, I think she's, she's super talented voice, for songwriting. No, but I mean it's it's nothing like oh my god, like no one else could sing that song kind of thing or no. or do that performance. But her her music writing, I think, is top. Like oh, I, I just thought of, thought of someone I have to have on the bus. I just thought of someone I have to have on the bus. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Like I'd oh, have, like they would be. I'd be. Have you noticed how I pretty much have the Traveling Wilburys on the bus? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. I'd have them all. Maybe Jeff Lynne could take it, you know, bench out. But um, but Dude, like it's, George, it's really hard. Like I'm seriously, it's so hard to narrow it down to like four or five because yeah. I mean, it's just so many good. I mean, yeah. you're going to get your all time greats, which again is going to be like your Elvis, um, Frank. You know, like your Beatles and all that, like Frank Sinatra and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. I mean, there's just so many just wonderful artists or bands or just yeah. you know singers. In, in, yeah. in general and i mean we're spanning like a hundred years of music you know what i mean like sure. i mean i i actually i mean guns and roses i think is also fantastic just because how different they sounded i mean axel rose at that time had a very as fuck. distinct like, voice oh 
I, I, you know what I'm going to say? This might be a hot take. I'd say four brilliant songs from Guns N' Roses. I'd say they've got three or four brilliant songs. Well, you know, and that's hey, some people don't even have one brilliant. No, song. I totally agree with you, man. <laughs> and some people who somehow have survived have really only got one. No, I no, I think about four songs of Guns N' Roses, like Sweet Child of Mine, November Rain, um, his version of Live and Let Die, and there's probably another one um, that I'm not. Welcome to the Jungle. I mean, they're they're, they're good songs, very good songs. You mm. know, um, and other bands, you know, would struggle to have anything like that. But so. to be fair, they also one once they hit that fame and all that, they really had massive problems with drugs and uh, drugs personalities and, 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 and all that sort of shit. So I mean, they could have gone on to be like the next Rolling Stones or whatever, but I think, yeah, sure. they, they, they self-destructed, unfortunately. Yeah. Can you imagine if Sinatra was in charge of the bus and he used to he used to say at his club, I only want people with coats and ties in here, the rest of you get out. Yeah, <laughs> well, probably would, yeah. He used, to wa- he used to walk in with his entourage into, into a club and he'd go, only people with coats and ties. And he'd clear out all the bums, you know, all the all the little little hippies that he didn't like. They'd all leave. It was fucking hilarious. Like uh, that, that is gold when he can walk into a club and just make these pronouncements. And you know, can you imagine his little goons like sh- showing away all the little <laughs> bar flies and stuff? <laughs> Frank Sinatra wants to relax. Um, yeah, that's like on top of all his songs. That's kind of the cherry on top for me with Sinatra that he was like such a, you know, on top of everything, all his talent. He also just like his aura of command and, you know, kind of his bossiness, you could say almost. <laughs> you know, he, was, he was quite bossy. <laughs> well, that, that was, but that, that, but that's the thing. That was just sort of like. Um, that's the times. Not, not just the times, but that was um, like, that was the era of like the Goodfellas. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. the era. I mean, because, you know, like your Dean Martins, your you know, um, Frank Sinatra's and all that, like, uh, you know, it was, they were all sort of that, like, cool, um, uh, alpha sort of males. Although Dean never was like, Dean was the nice version of that. You know, like, I love Dean Martin. He was the nice, warm, fuzzy version, whereas Sinatra was, he was a bit more of the... Well, Dean only threw his weight around when he needed to, whereas I think Frank just likes throwing his weight. Yeah, I think he did. I think he got off on it a bit, which well is part of the mistake though as well. You know, well, I guess that's why he turned out to be the leader of the group because he was kind of like the more the louder or the more the dominant one. You know, yeah, yeah, he he was like, I want to throw my weight around all the time. So they were just like, okay, Frank. It wasn't like Dean was his little bitch. I I mean, I it wasn't like Dean was his little bitch, but Dean was definitely happy to pass the wheel to Frank. He was, you know, you know, he was he was quite content quite happy, you know, and oh, yeah, um, yeah. huge himself. So I don't, think he, I don't think Dean Martin really worried too much about it kind of thing. Never, never really seemed, it only seemed to expand his listener base. So Now we do have some news and this comes from Peter, one of my workmates and colleagues. And thank you, Peter, for reporting in and making the signal news. Peter is a big uh, gamer. He's a big Punisher fan. And, um, you know, and just on that note alone, you know, I, I rate him. Just by, before anything else, just the fact he's such a hardcore Punisher fan is enough for me to say thank you, welcome to the club. Here's your seat. We've got it prepared. <laughs> nice. But also, he's a gamer, and he brought me some news through through back channels. Rich, you know how I like to operate a lot of back channels, a lot of meetings in car parks, and it's about Assassin's Creed Infinity. Um, some news. Uh, now, I want to get your take on this because remember we've talked about games for service or something. Remember, mm. remember this conversation. I saw g- games as service. Okay, so 
Get ready, Ubisoft is launching a live service version of Assassin's Creed with Assassin's Creed Infinity. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, an entirely new version of Assassin's Creed uh, that focuses on it being a live service similar to Elder Scrolls Online. But can Ubisoft accomplish what Bethesda and Zenimax Studios did with ESO? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of stuff's silent, but apparently it's going to be a complete reboot of the franchise. Uh, we expect it to release in the fourth quarter of 2023, so late next year. Um, that would fit with the, their updated development schedule for Assassin's Creed, which lasts an average of three years. Now, there's not, not much information about it, but um, I'm trying to work out what it actually means, Richard. Can you explain to me, if it becomes live service... It, yeah, am I right in saying multiplayers will like? Could you play and you're an assassin, and I'm an assassin, and we're running around in the same game? Is that what? Is that basically what it will be? Yeah, what well, should be? Right. So okay, so that's quite different to the Assassin's Creed that's happening now. But could we team up? Like that's what I'm trying to understand. Or is it still solo? No, well, I mean, at some point there would have to be some sort of multiplayer aspect to it. I mean, it depends on the sort of game that you're making. I mean, if you look at um, uh, a lot of the games, a lot of it can be played solo, right? Mm -hmm. you, you yeah. just go do the quests and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of the games will have what they call, um, you know, dungeons, instances, raids, yeah. all yeah. that sort of stuff. It's got to be done as, a, as a, group. A, a group, right? So what you can, might do is you maybe you've got like, you know, there'll be quests and, and shit and stuff, you know, go collect this, go kill this, whatever, or go assassinate that person. But then what they do is they might have like, oh, okay, now this is, you've got to infiltrate a castle or mm. some um, fort or something like that. And this is like a four-man job. You know what I mean? You've all got gotcha. to come at it from different aspects, assassinate or incapacitate the guards. You've got to get to the, the guys around. You know what I mean? It's like they might maybe do something like that. I don't know. I, I haven't read anything about it. That's just me spitballing off the Now, top of apparently, head. okay, that makes sense. It's going to be innovative storyline told over numerous generations of history. That was the big thing. Apparently, they're going to blend all the generations together so you could say, I'm going to play in the French Revolution or I'm going to play in the Crusades. I'm going to play in, you know, whatever, like, a, you know, American Revolution, all that kind of stuff. So that's... My prediction is that you will have to play through different periods but you can't just stay in one period right yeah anyway i mean so in terms of elder scrolls online i've never played it actually is that a single player like not single player but can you play that as one person like like i play skyrim or what's the story there yeah look i mean every every mmo to an extent can be played solo right like any games to service any anything they've got a component where you can pretty much play by yourself but mm. If you want to be able to complete the game, do everything in the game, get the best loot or the best gear, then you're going to have to do the the multiplayer stuff. You're going to have to do the group-based stuff if you want to experience the full game. Gotcha. Um, but right. most, like as I said, I mean, you play World of Warcraft. I mean, when you got a level from, let's say, 50 to 60 in the new mm. expansion, you, do, you can do all that by yourself. You just go and level, experience the story and all that sort of stuff. But once you sort of get to max level, that's when, you know, um, you've got to start doing your dungeons to get the gear so you can get the gear to get into the raids and then the raids gets you the best gear and all that sort of stuff. So mm. it's a mix, but to experience the full game, you do need to play it with other people. Okay. Uh, look, I'm just, I, I guess 
I, I mean, I, I honestly just loved my whole experience on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I mean, it was a journey that I think the listeners went on with me. Got to a point where I thought I was definitely a Viking in a previous life. Uh, were we in the game? Do you recall those questions, Rich? I um, do. <laughs> I got very deep in it. Now it seems like a dream, um, but I don't know. Like, I, I guess I'm. I guess I, I'm excited, but I'm also like, oh, please don't fuck up this great game series, you know, with some sort of bullshit. But I guess they're looking at it. You know, they're the ones who know the numbers and maybe they figure this is the time to launch. They're, you know, they're... Because um, the Assassin's Creed briefly lost their way after Assassin's Creed 2, I always felt. I, I, I felt between Assassin's Creed 2 and Origins, there was a period where I was disengaged, you know? Um, Black Flag was pretty cool, but um, they, then they seemed to sort of get back to basics to me and, um, and churn out really cool games again, but... I guess we'll see. They've had three big hits in a row. Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla have all been enormous hits. So maybe they feel this is the next phase, you know? And um... uh, No, uh, um, I think it. I think every studio now just wants a game that perpetually makes them money. Yeah. You know, right. um, it's still a thing. I mean, people thought, oh, everyone's going to, you know, once all these games for service um, start failing and stuff, mm. there'll be less. But I think every company is still trying to still yeah. trying to get their their thing because you know it's you make one game yes you got to do you got to you got to do create new content for it and all that but you're not making mm. a complete new game from scratch you can yeah. reuse a lot of assets you can you know reuse the same a lot of the models and all this sort of stuff and make you know make little increments of new stuff but uh, you basically want people continuously playing and ubisoft have been trying to do it now for a while i mean mm. they tried it twice with um uh, the division. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, I remember the division. And then they also tried it with uh, Ghost Recon. Yeah, okay. Was it um, uh, but all of those pretty much kind of failed. Like they never stood the test of time, or yeah. or even still a thing. And uh, Square Enix just recently failed with the. Uh, I mean, it's still going, but I mean, I consider it a failure. The Marvel Avengers. Thing. Oh, that was a fucking flop. That, that yeah. I mean, there's still some people playing it, but I mean, it's nowhere near as as like uh, high population is probably what they were hoping for. Uh, the, the people who are playing it still are massacres, Rich. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ! Like, why the fuck would you still be playing that game? Like, please give them anything other than that. Give them fucking Donkey Kong from the '80s. It was better. Well, um, I I've, I put this in news for 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 later, but we'll talk about it now since we're talking about the Marvels. Is that sure. So uh, Square Enix has said that the um, Guardians of the Galaxy game um, yes. un- underperformed. And I honestly believe it underperformed because it looks so much like the Marvel Avengers game yeah. you know, in, in the look that I think a lot of people just thought it was a similar game to I that. I tell you what, Dion said it was excellent. He bought it. Oh, no, it it's got really good, good reviews. But I think yeah. what turned people off was actual Marvel's Avengers. Totally agree. I think totally a lot agree. of people yeah. saw that and was like, oh, it's like that. It's like that. Marvel Avengers, and that's why no, a lot of people didn't buy it. It was like that shitty Marvel Avengers that they forced out and tried to t- tell everyone was like the next big thing, and like, you know, we, we could play as fucking Ms. Marvel. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, you had to play as Ms. Marvel in the uh, story campaign. I'd rather kill myself than play as Ms. Marvel. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, now, a big Vanity Fair article came out, and shout out to Mitchell. Uh, who um, 
brought this to my attention. Uh, basically, um, big Vanity Fair article on Jerry Lewis's long litany of sexual harassment and abuse of co-stars uh, during his long career. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, he, he was always known to be like, frankly, a prick. Like that was well known with Jerry Lewis, a egomaniac, very insecure kind of little man syndrome, extremely funny in his day, but he always had that reputation. Um, I mean, for a long time, he only passed away, what, in 2017 or something, 2018. It wasn't a rich. It wasn't, it was not that long ago. Um, but the stories of the sexual harassment um, are quite bad. I read through the article and oh, they're full on. Like, they're full on. Like, they're, they're, they're well, you know, terrible. My theory about Jerry Lewis on why he was such a, a, a prick was mm. uh, because of the characters that he played. I think, you know, Jerry Lewis was always the... Um, kind the, of the butt uh, of the joke? Yeah, yeah. He was he was the joke. Like, yeah. He had to act goofy and stupid, and yeah. you know he, you know, and a lot of the times he acted across Dean Martin, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the ladies' man, the smooth, the suave guy, and I think yeah. because he was playing those characters, like that was pretty much all he played, yeah, in all the movies. I think he, I don't know if it's maybe resentment or if he was overcompensating or, mm. yeah, you know, yeah, maybe maybe people weren't taking him seriously or he felt people treated him like that i mean not excusing it but i'm just saying i I, my theory is that because he just played the goofball and the the no respect guy yeah in so many movies i think that affected him like outside of the movies where he wanted to be like almost the exact opposite of that no i i I think that's quite plausible i think there's a lot of interesting things about jerry lewis like um i mean he was fated in the 60s coming off um you know when when the partnership broke down I mean, he was as big as it gets. You know what I mean? Like, he had so much power on the lot of Paramount with his deal that, and he frankly abused it. He's not the only one, but but he really, he took it to a big level. Um, I'm wondering if overcompensating, I think also, uh, I think somehow he felt in the shadow. As much as he always professed to love Dean so much, I think there was an element of him who saw Dean Martin. Very natural, very smooth, very popular with the ladies, and a womanizer himself, but also extremely popular. He had the charm, he had the charisma, he had the songs. You know what I mean? And surely some part of Jerry Lewis craved having that, and was kind oh, of trying oh, to force sure. that. You know? Oh, for sure. Um, and, but I mean, that, but that's that's been the fate of like so many comedy duos. Yeah. Like if you look at the, like Abbott and Costello, uh, Laurel and Hardy. You know, um, you know, dinner, whatever. I'm, I'm sure that when you spend so much time with someone, and you know, and especially because you're like you're in acting, you're in Hollywood. You know, I yeah. think there is a part of you that's always insecure. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone. You know, I, I mean, sure. there's people like Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, who are very comfortable with who they are, yeah, and and have that. As I said, they got that alpha attitude where they're like, I'm perfect, don't worry yeah. about it. But yeah. I think there's a lot of people in Hollywood who are getting you know, acting who do have a, that that touch of insecurity about them. Sure. Um, and yeah, when you spend a lot of time with someone and maybe you keep seeing their, um, their positives and that makes you focus on your negatives or yeah. something like that, or things you're not good at. I mean, that's why so many of the comedy duos you know, at some point split, you know, they just kind of yeah. go their separate ways because there's just becomes animosity between, between and them. What's Could it? only be one of them with the, with the animosity. Um, I don't think Dean Martin strikes me as a guy with the, well, this is the much thing. animosity with- in him. This was the thing with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I think for Dean Martin, it was a job. 
It was a gig. It was a very high-paying gig. He got famous doing it. But he always felt that he had a lot more range than just playing the straight man. And as he went on, his success, you know, he really transitioned and he became like this all-round entertainer and even bigger than he was as Martin Lewis. He became bigger just as Dean Martin as yeah. the years went by. But, now, but that's what I'm saying. Like Jerry may not have gotten that opportunity. Maybe Jerry also felt that he had range or could do more, yeah. but everyone just kept putting him in the goofy roles. And don't forget, Jerry was very much convinced of his own genius. And, and a lot of people were happy to tell him he was a genius. Um, but what I was going to say is, so Dean Martin, after they broke up, um, and they really did hit, like they, they squeezed it till it was dry and they couldn't get on anymore. He never spoke to Jerry Lewis again for 25, 30 years until at a telethon, um, Frank Sinatra brought them together. And, um, and it's, it's weird because uh, I think Jerry Lewis craved Dean's uh, sort of approval. And uh, there's a famous quote where Dean Martin said, you keep talking about love, but every time I look at you, all I see is a dollar sign, you know? And <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it, laconically, I'm sure, maybe it's a slight joke, but you, you can feel what he's saying there as well. He, he's like, I don't need the clown. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, I can leave the clown and I don't need him. And that's kind of what, what I think it was. So, it's interesting. I'm not. I'm surprised, as always, by the extent. I think when you when you read mm. through the Vanity Fair article, it's horrific. And um, Mitchell sent it to me. My first reaction was, "Here we go again." But then I read it, and I was like, "You know what? This is actually appalling." Um, he is dead, um, but it's it's too many women with the same kind of stories, and he just didn't care. He was just. He even yeah, made excuses but, for himself. You but know? I I know, but you know what, like. Uh... And I'm not disputing anything, but I always feel it's it's unfair mm. to to write an article where the person isn't alive to refute it, uh, to refute it, or or, sure. or or offer any evidence to the contrary. It's you know what I mean. It's just one of those weird things when someone dies, and then like a couple of years later, there's this like scathing thing of like how awful they were, and I just go. That just seems a bit like I mean, because the thing is at the end, at the end of the day, also like he's dead. Yeah, like, true. I don't understand. Like, um, yeah. Well, it's what's an interesting. I, I will say this: it's an interesting article. Like, I, I went into it thinking, "Here we go again," you know. And uh, but then I read it, and I mean, some of the people are quite well known and respected and stuff, and like they had done lots of other jobs, and a lot of the women flat out rejected him and said, "No, it's, that's not who I am," you know. <laughs> yeah, but and but, and he he just wouldn't you... get it, you know. But another issue I also have, and, and I've noticed this for myself as well, is let's be honest, is that sometimes as time goes on, mm. we also remember things differently. Sure. We, we remember the circumstances differently. We remember the severity differently. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying like if you're remembering oh, yeah. something from like 50 years ago, yeah. like 40 years ago, you might you might um, overhype it in your, in your brain or the way that you remember it. Like mm. he could have been inappropriate and he could have been like an arsehole, but – you now remember it as like a hundred percent when it was maybe fifty mm. percent. You know, I like it's just one. Yeah, because the person's not alive to like sure. to say, well, yeah, no, I did this. Like I did say this to her, but I never slapped her. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, I'm just offering random I mean, shit. It, I just, as I said, yeah. I just not. I don't like it when people come out with stuff after someone's died. I just it's, it's just kind yeah. of like I, I feel it's. I guess it's one of those but things. I feel like it's dirty. I guess it's one of those things where I think it's the same people who've done exposés in the Me Too era. They've done the, the Woody Allen one. They've done a few, I believe. And then 
they've got into Jerry Lewis, and uh, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. I guess uh, you know, I'm not surprised though. Like I didn't read it going, oh my god, I can't believe. This. Oh, oh yeah, like, no, he's he's yeah. he's had a massive <laughs> reputation for years of being like an arsehole and yeah, total uh, and and a dick and all that. But I'm just saying, I I just wonder if there's an know, interesting one though. One of the women. Um, who was quite well respected. She worked with Clint Eastwood and, and various people. So she, it wasn't her first first gig, you know? And then she got the role and it was better money. She didn't really want to do the role. She didn't want to really do it. And then he offered her better money than she was getting elsewhere. And she said, fine, I'll do it. And then he flat out, like, he, he would invite them to his dressing room or his mansion and, and say, I want to see you out of the clothes and all this kind of stuff and get sexual, like, straight away. And um, and she said, no, like this, I don't know if you're used to this from your co-stars normally, but no, that's not going to be happening. He then got really, the, the common trait was as soon as he got rejected from these kind of like really overt sort of like come-ons, he wouldn't speak to them outside of uh, doing, you know, the actual takes of the movie. Like he would freeze them completely out of the picture. Anyway, at the end of the um, production, um, this lady's, you know, just finished and she bumped into him and she said, oh, thank you for the, um, for the, for the raise, you know, but she just basically thanked him for the opportunity. And, and he said to her, I don't know how you put up with it. I've got a sickness. I don't know what's wrong with me or something. And she said, you're making excuses for yourself. It's disgusting. You need help. As she said, she, she actually told now her words, her words, her claims, no, you know what I, I mean? know, but, but that could also be revisionist history. I don't it know. Like that's the thing. Yeah. No, 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 I'm just, like, I'm just, I'm just giving you an example of one of the stories. That's all. Like so. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Um, I wasn't stunned. Uh, and at the end of the day, as you say, Rich, you know, it's one of these things. You know, he's dead. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're fighting about a or arguing over a, a corpse that's buried in the ground. Famously, didn't give any of his money to his kids. Um, Good. Cut all his kids out of his will. <laughs> he did cut all his kids out of his will. I think he was a very petty man. Uh, Especially as he got older, he only got crotchier and crotchier, you know? Uh, but you know what? Can I, be, can I be honest with you? I I actually, I have a lot more respect for people who basically say, no, I made my money. Sure. I don't want my kids to be living off Why? my, you know, they need to go out and earn their own money. They need to be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think there's an argument to be had for that is what I'm saying is that, sure. you know, I, if you give it off away to charity and all that sort of stuff and you say, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be just like spoiled, rotten yeah, people yeah. living off my estate. You need to go and make your own money. You need to make your own success. I, I, I it's kind of an argument for that. But, as but well. do you not think? I mean, yeah, of course, of course, and it's their money. They can do what they want. Now, they look, if he's doing it out of pettiness because he hated his kids, that's different. <laughs> I, I think it's. I look. I. I mean, I also think like what, they're going to be in your sh- like it, the really big stars, the Frank Sinatras, Jerry Lewis, like. They're so big, they cast such a shadow over their children's lives that it would be difficult for some people to even escape that. You know, like, you're always going to be Frank Sinatra's kid kind of thing. Like, that's kind of what I'm trying to say here. Like, it's you, you're never going to be as big as Frank Sinatra. It's impossible kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, like, you're going to have to – what are you going to do? Just – if you go in entertainment, like, I mean, Nancy Sinatra did quite successfully in the 60s, but like Frank Sinatra Jr. spent his entire life in his father's shadow, you know? Um, I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, well, it means that you're maybe not as good as your father. I don't know. Like, yeah, but, 
Jesus you know, you Christ, might not have the I, talent or the or the charisma or well, the charm. Of but your but who would? That's what I'm saying. Like what, what I'm trying to say is like. Well, then he's got to get a job as a banker or a lawyer. Or... I'd be like, fuck, oh yeah, I'd be like, fuck that, Daddy. Give me the money. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to. <laughs> of course you would. I would be. Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be happy to like be the gopher, be the intermediary, be whatever, as long as I can just stay in touch with the cash. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, I don't know. I th- I think a lot of the too. problems, a lot of the problems in the world, come from like rich, entitled children right. of rich people. So I, I'd love to be one. I don't know. I can see the argument of not leaving your kids like that much money. Do you know how much I would love to be one of them? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I would have absolutely. No- They're like, do you feel guilty? I'll be like, no, not at all. <laughs> I feel like I won the goddamn lottery. <laughs> I wake up every day with a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Well, like, my dad's the greatest entertainer in human history. I'm going to say it right here, right now. And, you know, <laughs> I can't be the biggest cheerleader possible. Anyway, but it would be funny. Um, uh, now, I wanted to bring something up. I'm starting a watch of the, the show Spartacus. Have you ever watched the show, Richard? Uh, it's an older show. Um uh, a, I th- I did start watching it, and then I think after one or two episodes, I was just like, "Yeah." It's got some really weird green screen going on. Um, I think in an effort to sort of budget, they've got some really obvious green screen, like bad green screen, going on for the sort of crowd shots and stuff. It's weird. It's, well, a, it's weird... a TV show. It doesn't have the massive budget. Sure. Have you seen Rome, the HBO show? Um, uh, I think I've seen the once. I think I've seen the first season. My sister loves it, and she's recommended it to me. And um, frankly, after giving a couple of episodes of Spartacus a go, which I, I don't mind, um, I think I'm going to check out Rome on HBO. I've got It's on HBO Max. I checked the other night. What did you think of it when you watched it? Because doesn't it take place on the political level, but then it also takes place of, like, the grunt level? There's two stories. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought the Rome one was pretty good. I kind of just forgot about it after a while um, mm. because this was a time when um, streaming wasn't really a big, yeah, a big thing, and you had access to stuff. Um, I do remember enjoying it. It was very more like it was, it was a bit more like, in a sense, historical. Yeah, well, I like that. Um, yeah, you, you know, it wasn't as like it wasn't like Spartacus, which was just like a, a almost a fantasizing. Yeah. Yeah. Of of history and all that sort of stuff. So uh, if I had to choose between the two, I would definitely say Rome is the better one. Sure. I tell you what, there was a lot of boobage in Spartacus episode one. I've got to oh, say gee, that. Spartacus was basically a porno, man. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was enjoying it. I was like, wow, okay, this is good stuff. Uh... <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, let's do a soft core porn and, and call it Spartacus. Yeah, let's track Davey. <laughs> <laughs> What, how can we get listeners, uh, viewers to watch this? Like, we're going to go for a sort of like male demographic. Well, it didn't work on me because I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't want to watch a porno, so I'm done with yeah. this. Yeah. Well, but as for me, I was like, oh, you got my attention. I was, I was kind of falling asleep, and then I was like, oh, look what we've got here. <laughs> I think Interest. the first episode had at least like, I'm pretty sure it had like five sex scenes in the first episode. Oh, they're not full sex scenes. It's more like gyrating strippers and stuff. Mostly, there's there is like one or well, two. It, sex well, scenes. it's soft core. It's it's soft core porn, it's, which yeah. means you don't see anything. But I mean, it's it's still sex scenes. Porn. Is my point. You're still seeing so. people getting banged, and I was just like, really five, like four or five in the first fucking episode. I was just like, Jesus Christ! I don't think I can like, you know. I mean, at least use it sparingly as well. Good God. <laughs> 
such a grandma, Rich. Like you know, like tat tatting. That's not a grandma. I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's a there's porn, and then there's like TV shows. I don't need my TV shows to be fucking porn. Like, oh no, I like it know. when they when they kind of intermingle. It keeps my interest up. You know, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, okay, because you know, it's like well, night. It'll definitely keep your interest because I think there's a sex scene every fifteen minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's late night. You're tired, kind of like you know, kind of out of it. Like you know, life is kind of at that point. Oh, I'm tired. I, I need to see see we'll, see we'll banging. Yeah, I need something to keep my interest alive. Like, let's not keep it too dry and boring, you know. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is well, that's all right. And they're very nice women too. Can I say that as well? Like, I mean, I was like, I'm, I'm sure in ancient Rome it wasn't so attractive as what I was seeing on the on the screen. Uh, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is nice viewing. But anyway, moving well, on. Look, yeah, look if if you had look and look if you had a sex scene per episode, I'd be fine. Sure. But like when you're having multiple, and then I just like no, now you're just doing it because you want <laughs> to. Like it doesn't suit. It doesn't. It doesn't like it's not for the story. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Well, I mean, there was a sort of a story. I can't remember it really. Spartacus. <laughs> no, but you remember the sex scenes. <laughs> I do. I sure do, Rich. Um, now, I I was uh, I shared an article on the Roman theme about. Rome Total War Attila, um, which is Attila Total War, yeah, Attila Total War, which was kind of like the end game of the Roman Empire when it's um, disintegrating. And uh, basically, here's a quote: "The Romans are playing a survival horror mode where their enemies will never stop coming, and the protagonists are starting to fall to infighting. The internal politics that never came to fruition in recent Total War games and were so abysmal in Rome too start to matter a great deal as successive Roman leaders." struggle to maintain internal unity among generals and governors who all think they could do a better job. Um, and there's all this shit happening, like cities are burning, um, depleted enemies, uh, empires grapple with battered tribal armies for control over the ashes. Uh, and it's it's just talking uh, really about like um, it, barbarian factions can pack up their entire nation and take the road once again, leaving their permanent settlements a ruin behind them. Conquering armies have the option of annihilating cities and towns rather than occupying or looting them. As their number of settled regions decreases and the wealth they created bleeds out of the game, the ability to recover and rebuild also starts to vanish. It really is an absolute end game to the ancient civilization, which of course it was in reality as well, Rich, which I think is what's so clever about this game. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've never really gone that deep into that. I mean, I've only ever just seen them as gameplay mechanics, but sure. Well, I mean, you recall when I was playing Rome Total War, I said to the Empire is alive, and I and I said that I felt I could keep it alive forever to the well, current day. Attila, then, <laughs> yeah, but Attila's throwing a spanner in the works, you know, because the Empire I had at the end of Rome Total War, I was so happy, I was so secure, you know, and, and I wonder if that's how Rome probably felt at the time. But then, flash forward two, three hundred years, things start to fall apart out of your control, Rich. You know, one man well, can't no, live forever. No empire lasts forever. Oh, not even Caesar's. How sad. You know, Alexander wept for there were no more lands to conquer. Oh, how wrong he was. <laughs> well, yeah, but I guess where would he have gone to the Americas? You know? Or like no more, no more lands that I'm willing to conquer. <laughs> well, where did he get to? India. So I guess the next one was China. Really, the next major empire was China. Got to yeah, he would have had a hard time there. Yeah, he would have had a tough time. I agree. 
Um, I don't know. Because if there's one thing China has had in their history of war is cannon fodder. (laughs) 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 That's funny, Richard. Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, you never know with Alexander. He was, uh, it was his men who turned it around anyway. It wasn't Alexander, it was the army. The army said, we're not marching any further, you know? Yeah, that's why I said no more land willing to conquer. Like, yeah, true. He was just like, oh, if only I could continue. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Richard, you are a big Fallout fan, aren't you? Are you not? Um, The Fallout TV series has cast Walter Goggins, one of my favorite actors, in the lead role as a character based on a ghoul from the video game series, Rich. Well, I mean, he's got the look already. Great actor. I, I like yeah, him. No, no, no. Good actor, but I mean, he has that sort of like almost ghoulish appearance. He does. He does, actually. Yeah, um, great. That's a good point. So it's, it's a good it's a good casting in, in that regard. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I love the Fallout games, but mm. I don't really know if a Fallout TV series is going to be any good. Why? There's such a cool world and everything. Like, think about all the stuff that happens in Fallout. Like... Yeah, but it's so wacky. Yeah, but Fallout's so wacky. Like it's it's very like meta, mm. and I just don't know. I mean, are they gonna? Is the TV show gonna be meta? Is it gonna be like making a lot of pop culture references and stuff, or is it gonna be a little bit more like just stock standard, you know, generic, um, mm. uh, wasteland TV show? You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. I mean, you go you go play like Fallout one and two, the original like isometric ones. Mm. It's chock full of like pop culture references to like Mad Max, uh, and and like Back to the Future stuff and all that. Like it's it's very much like, meta. Mm. The games are very meta. And I mean, when Bethesda took over and they did like Fallout Three, uh, and uh, then um, you know it, it became a little bit more um, just more wacky characters, mm. like insane, just over the top wacky characters with a little less pop culture references and all that sort of stuff. But it was still wacky. So again. I need to see more like, you know, once I actually see what it looks like, you know, get some, maybe some trailer, see what sort of vibe they're going for. I'll, I'll have a more solid, yeah, you know, yes I, or no I played feeling mostly, for it, I played a bit of Fallout 3 and I played a lot of Fallout 4. They're the only ones I've played. Hmm. Um, oh, well, I, I've played uh, pretty much all the Fallouts, um, really? including Fallout Tactics. Um um, I didn't play the Brotherhood, thank God. Uh, that was a, a console one, which was pretty terrible. But I never played that one, thankfully. Um, well, no, that's a lie. I I did play it, but I didn't own it. Um, right. I only played it for like half an hour. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, no, I, I love Fallout, but again, you know, after watching the Halo trailer, I was just like, this does this look shit? I'm just concerned that I'm going to see the Fallout trailer, and I'm just going to go, oh my god, it looks like shit. But, you know, yeah. I mean, they got Walter Goggins in it, Walton Goggins. So, I mean, I mean, at least I know they're getting a good actor, but I still need to see it. I, I just got to see what they're going for and then and then I'll, I'll know yay or nay. Yeah, that's fair enough, man. I mean, you, you can't sort of like, um, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But, I mean, we've been disappointed by adaptations. Uh, remember, I was very excited for Why the Last Man and I felt that was a disappointing adaptation of a sort of beloved property. Oh, that was abysmal. Yeah, I, I really felt that. Yeah, I agree. That's the exact word I'd use to describe it. Actually, it was it was abysmal, Richard. You're very. Like, can very I good. can I just say something? I do not understand, right? And uh, and I don't understand why you need to make so many changes to the source material. Like, why do it in the first place if you're not going to be true to the source material? Like, yeah. that's why people love it. 
because of yeah. the source material. So when you're going to take something and go, this is really popular, but we're going to change it, yeah, you know, or, or fix it or whatever, mm. I go, yeah, but why? Why though? Yeah, like I, I, why didn't you just make it like, you know, not not necessarily shot for shot? Because I mean, I understand there's got to be some changes you're going to make because one's a you know a, a page and the and the other one's a TV show or a, a film. Yeah, but I mean, stick as much as close to the source material as you can. No, I agree. I, I heard someone the other day saying that about their property, and it was like, we're going to take out the humor, we're going to take out this, we're going to take out that, and, and the person was like, you know, literally taking out all the things that make it distinctive. Um, and it, and of course, that was always the that's the old adaptation problem that we had, like in the eighties and nineties when they would do things, you know. Um, there was a lot of that. Like, we're going to take out so much of it that you think, I don't know. Like, I think you're robbing the, you're robbing the actual property of its power and its and its uniqueness. You know. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that um, to be fair, that's why so many video game adaptations fail. Yeah. Is because they make so much changes to the source material. Yeah, that's a good, good point, Ranch. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then when yeah, that's a very good point. And I, it's frustrating as a, as a, you know, as a sort of like sometimes I think, how can they not do a good version of it? Uh, I, but I guess part of the problem with video games, I think a Street Fighter, you could actually do it because the tournament structure, but like a GTA, why hasn't there been a GTA movie? You know, like really, and part of the problem is that the GTA games, and I'm, I'm sorry if this is sounding too obscure, but are, they're almost riffing off movies themselves. You know, yeah. and and sort of like so, you're doing a movie that's kind of riffing on movies, and there's only so much of the gaming experience we can even get across, unless we want to get really crazy, which I would, and do it as a game where you can die and you wake up in bed and stuff like that. Like I would do it, the game itself. That's how I would do GTA personally. But I understand that's probably how they will never do it. And they'll instead try to do like a sort of like French connection kind of heist movie kind of thing, I think is what will eventually happen. Probably. Think, I mean, probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, the other thing like you think for me, I just think so many movies should be slam dunks. Um, and again, that's why, in a sense, like to me, the still one of the best video game movies is the first Mortal Kombat, just because yeah, yeah. it was very close to the source material. Do you mm. know what I mean? I mean, again, yes, they had to make slight changes because obviously the game itself didn't have much in terms of like character development and and backstory, but they took the core element of oh, yeah, I think so. there's a tournament, these people are chosen. You know, they go to that island. There's an actual yeah. tournament going. Like it was, you know, that, and that's where Street Fighter failed. The movie was shocked yeah. of a dumb because it was such a massive change. To they, they, they try to make it some sort of like you know um, evil villain uh, against the world, yeah. You know, against the the world governments and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, that's what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah, that was an odd decision. You know, and but I mean, even, even Ryu and you... Ken were like side characters in Street Fighter the movie. And you're like, but they're the yeah. main characters. <laughs> like, yeah, it was. Well, at least Ryu is the main main character, and yeah, Ken's definitely. his friend. But I mean, that's why I say, like, if you if you're not going to stick to the source material, just don't fucking do it. Really. Yeah, I agree. There's another Mortal Kombat movie coming, which I don't know if we've covered on the show, but um, I know that uh, Ronald Acosta big pal of the show on Patreon um, is, was definitely uh, talking about it. 
Oh, I won't, I, won't get, I won't get my hopes up. Well, you were you were quite <laughs> disappointed, weren't you, by the original? Well, because yeah. again, it's it's. I'm sorry, but it, it it makes it. There's no tournament. Yeah. Well, though. Yeah, and and you true. even create a new character that's not even in the fucking games <laughs> to be the main <laughs> character. I'm just you again. Why are you making such unnecessary changes? Yeah. And then the whole oh they've got a tattoo and if you kill that person then you get the tattoo and you no. Like, no that's not that's not how it works. Yeah, they are no, chosen by uh, Raiden like as Earth's champions because mm. their ability it's not some magical tattoo that you're fucking born with that can be passed from person to person. Like yeah. as I said, what if the person was drunk crossing the street and some old man hits him with a car and kills him? Now he's got the tattoo. You did the fuck's he point. gonna do? You did like, make that point. I remember you made I that just, point. That was a good point. You know, it's. I mean, the action in it and all that was fine and all that sort of stuff. But again, it just made so many unnecessary. I tell you who I didn't like. I didn't material. like the new character. That new character. Cole. I, I think his name was yeah. Cole. A very yeah, unremarkable I mean. name for a very unremarkable character. Yeah, and they go, "Oh, we're going to have the tournament in the next movie." And it's like, but. Right. But why did I have to yeah. wait for the second movie to get the tournament? Yeah, 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 exactly. Why? Yeah, like, aren't you desperate for this franchise to do well? Why? Why wouldn't you give us exactly the tournament? Like, it's not complicated. We can get the tournament going in. They managed to do it in the first movie, you know. Like, but you know what? But in a sense, I also just think that there's certain games and materials that don't need a movie adaptation. Yeah. And personally, I think Mortal Kombat is definitely one of those right now like back in the day when they made the movie uh i I would say yes because there wasn't much of a story to the games like it was very bare minimum story so you got to see it sort of play out but once you got to sort of like you know once mortal kombat started like taking off every entry became more um story driven to the point where you get like nine and ten and eleven where it's like literal movies in the game that i kind of feel like i don't need the movie Although, can I say this? Some of those scenes are pretty cool, and and you could film them, you know. In, yeah, in but I mean, but again, it, well, again, yeah, but that's my point. But I've experienced the fight scene, and it's a cool fight scene, and it doesn't require like sure. people on wires and all that sort of shit. Like I just think, like it's the same with Uncharted, right? Like that. Are oh, we making the Uncharted movie? I'm like, but it already is a movie. Yeah. Like I mean, okay, I get it. Okay, maybe you're making it for the people who are not gamers. But then again, you're going to make so much change probably to the source material that what they experience is not even going to be close to what the people who played the game experience. So, have you seen the Uncharted movie yet, Rich? No, I know. Well, no, I'll, I'll wait for streaming to give it a go. One of my pals o- online, um, Ralph, he uh, loved it. He gave a glowing review. I've heard a couple of people say they absolutely loved it. Um, oh, I'm sure it's going to have fantastic set pieces and fucking great action because they're going to be mimicking the the video games with Hedge. I mean, they've even mimicked the um, the aeroplane scene from the game. You know, where he's um, hanging out the the back of the aeroplane with the cargo. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah I mean, yeah. that that is literally from the game. So I it mean, great yeah, they're copying too. the set pieces for the the uh, the games, which is going to look fantastic. But I guarantee they're just going to make a lot of changes to the source material in terms of like maybe the character and scully and and all that sort of stuff and all that i just i don't know i'll, I'll see it but i'm not going to go spend money i'll wait for it to come on streaming fair enough uh now we flashing back to ukraine uh i was very amused to see that sean penn is on the ground in the ukraine filming a documentary about russia's invasion uh sean penn uh for those who don't remember famously went in a dinghy uh to hurricane katrina and started to sink with his whole entourage and had to be bailed out which is one of the most humorous <laughs> things i've ever seen um 
this guy's an idiot, isn't he? He's desperate to inject himself into the into into the news, and um, I don't know what he thinks he's trying to achieve. He was he was at the press conference where the Ukraine guy was like rabbiting on about you know Russia's attacking, we're fucked, and um, and Sean Penn was there fielding questions for some reason. Um, he's I guarantee he won't be anywhere near any of the strike zones. Yeah, I can, you can just imagine <laughs> him, can't you? Can't you imagine him like shit? Like you know, he just, I bet he's talking a real big game as well, and then suddenly like a rocket lands in his street, and it's like Sean Penn fucking hightails it out like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Probably, I mean, if they, I'm, I'm sure he would try and make sure that because obviously Russia at the moment is only targeting um, strategic military. Yeah, sort of places. So I'm sure he's like, okay, make sure we stay far away from any strategic military. Wouldn't it um, be hilarious if he became a crony of Putin? You know, and he's like changes his tune, like, <laughs> oh, you know, really let's talk about the Russian experience. Like he starts flipping, like during the documentary. You know, as the Russians are closing in, he starts to become well, a sympathizer. Well, but isn't that the isn't that what a proper um, <laughs> documentary is supposed to do? Is is give you it from both both sides? Yeah, but but I'm more thinking he's going to be more of a turncoat. Like you know, like <laughs> I guarantee you, one thing about Sean Penn's documentary is it's going to be massively, massively prejudiced with whatever he thinks. You know, like it's going to be like you mm. know, it's going to be Sean Penn the hero as well. It's definitely going to be a part of it. Like Sean Penn the brave hero. I would love it if they if they had pictures of Sean Pitt like crawling under the bed, like shimmering in feet. Well, I don't know. You know what? It's really it's uh, it's I don't know. It's fascinating stuff, really. I mean, not Sean Penn, um, but <laughs> yeah, just like the world, you know, the world stage at the moment. Because I mean, it, it it is like a regression. Because I mean, if you go back far enough, Ukraine used to be the capital of Russia. Really. I did not know that, Rich. Uh, you want to go quite far back, but I'm just saying. I mean, if yeah. you go look at like old, old maps and like empires and stuff and all that, so it wasn't I mean, Moscow. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember how far, far back it was, but I mean, if you go far back enough, and I mean, talking about like hundreds of years, yeah, Ukraine was like the capital of like the Prussia sort of right, like the empire and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, sure. in a sense, you got just you know, I mean, look, but what I'm saying is that these countries are this is what they built on. This is their history of sure. Um, having massive i mean china if you go look at like the history of china it's a it's a history of fragmentation and unification yeah you know what i mean and oh, so sure. yeah, yeah. right now they're still just doing that same thing of like no we want all of our provinces and back and we want everything under unified yeah, um rule. china and all that sort of stuff and you know what russia's doing the same thing i'm not saying it's right but i mean the problem is is that we've never the rest of the world has never figured out a way to stop it or no, to, to, well, to rectify it. Because that's what they've well. been all the time. They always, always wanting to get back to sure. the 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 unification, unified sort of empire that they were. Well, Putin wants the Soviet Union landmass back. He wants yeah. every single yeah. province. And yeah, and China wants all their provinces back. So I'm just yeah. like, we're pretty and much in a What's interesting right about now. it too is Putin is, in my mind, almost an emotionless chess player. Like he, he knows he's got the military might to overcome Ukraine. And he, he, military-wise, he could roll through these countries. The deterrent is obviously sanctions. And he knows that no one's going to fire a, miss, a hot missile at Putin, you know, because that but, would start a world But war. as I said, it's going to be really hard to sanction when that country's providing – look, they provide Germany mm, with gas yeah. and electricity like and power. Like, yeah. uh, how hard do you think Germany's going to be on sanctions? Because Russia will just try and say, well, go get your shit somewhere else. Like – True. You know, and this is a problem now because depending on how the situation is handled, China's going to react now. You know, yeah. they've been eyeing Taiwan for 
Oh, a long time. For ages now. And if they see um, yeah. Russia get away with this and take over Ukraine, I guarantee you Taiwan will be next for China. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah, no, it's uh, for sure. And China will be loving this scenario, uh, chaos that they're technically not a part of, but they can, you know, enjoy. But they can learn from it. They're going to they be like, learn mm. from it. And all the pressure that the US and NATO are being put under. And music to China's ears, really, with China without having to do a thing, you know? Mm. Like it's it's you know it's 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 a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time, and uh, signals here to report. We'll report to the last days when the nukes are falling. I'll, I'll still, I'll you know, if the nukes are falling, I'll be in my Deadpool cap and I'll say, yeah, game over, guys. Enjoy it. <laughs> Join up to the Patreon. <laughs> no, we'll we'll still be broadcasting from the wasteland. Yeah, from the wasteland. Why not? Fuck it. Why not, man? Yeah. Eating eating our tins of beans. Yeah, Mad Max style. <laughs> craziness. You know, and it'll be like, yeah, this is. Hey, guess what? This is the future you fucking assholes wanted. You know what I mean? You're a, you're a society and a culture built on death. As Bob Dylan said, we're all in the shadow of the atom bomb. It all comes from that. He said that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Isn't it? Isn't it funny that the reason we have like the atom bomb and like the nuclear bomb and all that is because America wanted to end a war slightly quicker. Sure. <laughs> like, well, like I mean, Japan was always going to surrender at some point, right? Like it, it was, they, oh, they were going to stall it, it as long as. It was going to cost a lot of lives. It was going to Yes, I know. But my point is the lives that we save now has really put the entire world in jeopardy with nuclear weapons, with any, Although you, you could uh, you know. say, you could say though, uh, as well, like there is the flip side. The nuclear nuclear deterrent has stopped a lot of hot wars. That's why Russia and US have never gone to war. Because yeah, but it, but option. but again, it just takes one. It just yes. takes one incident, and all those nukes are going to be in the air, man. Yeah, and if they are, they are, man. Like I'm not going to sit around like worrying too much about it. Like you know, it's like it's that that's in the hands of the gods man that's you, you get the crazy guy from martin sheen dead zone when 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 the dead zone guy flashes on his arm and he sees the future of martin sheen becomes president he's got the nuclear briefcase and he's just pressing the buttons and i'm what? like yeah yeah but you but you know if i find so have you ever seen a movie called um uh, uh highway to hell i have not no uh it, it's an it's an uh it's an older movie from like the oh shit was it the 90s i think could be the nineties, um, and in hell they they've got uh, basically it looks like just like uh, like Route sixty six, right? It's right. just like barren land with a road and all this sort of shit. And um, these these guys that are working on the road and they pave in the road with good intentions, <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically they mulch people up. And like yeah. you've got the one woman is like, but I was only sleeping with my husband's boss to further his career, and then they're like shoving me, they shove it in the in the thing and she's, you know, gets made into pace where they're making the road. And I kind of feel like that's the same with like the situation now. Like, yes, when they created the atom bombers with good intentions, sure. you know, oh, it's to end the war quickly and save lives. But now, now sure. we're facing a, a point where any mistake, any thing could result in like nuclear sure. devastation for the whole world. So I just think it's funny that that's another you know, pay with good intentions scenario. Do you think if you if you put your if you put your crystal ball on, do you think that civilization will be as it is in fifty years, or do you think we will have nuked ourselves out of existence within fifty years? Oh, oh Jesus! Like tough one. Uh, if you had asked me that ten years ago, I probably would have said no. Yeah, but I mean, seeing like Russia now and China now, and how they like looking to expand and you know. Yeah. Uh, enriching yeah, the empire and making it huge. 
uh, I would say like, yeah, I'd be very surprised if we don't. Yeah. You know, pretty heavy. Because it just takes one zealous person, one, yeah, you know, one person who, who's, you know, and in fact, even if you're like, let's say they did it to like scare them, but they had like a self-destruction, but that didn't work. <laughs> and it still went off. Like at some point, I think something's going to happen. I mean, I just having all these nuclear weapons and more countries trying to make nuclear weapons and all that, I just, yeah. it's hard not to see it ending badly at some point. Totally agree. Um, well, maybe Sean Penn will have all the answers. <laughs> maybe he can disarm all the nuclear weapons with his I'm sure, documentaries. I'm sure in his mind he thinks he does have the answers and he thinks he can do that. <laughs> and I think, um, frankly, if Sean Penn got shot as a Russian sympathiser or as a Russian a Russian shot him, I would not really grieve. I'd be like, that's what you get for inserting yourself <laughs> in a war. Civil, a war. You, you've injected yourself in a war with no experience, uh, nothing at all, other than just uh, you believe your own bullshit, Sean Penn. And... Um, you know, he could run into a Russian tank before you know it. Now, uh, we have some um, we have we have some hot news that comes from Adam the computer. He's hearing from the Aluma Nerdy, which is obviously some sort of a site, that the new Wolverine will be in Doctor Strange 2. And he also mentioned to me he's going to chug Bleach live in the theatre if Daniel Radcliffe is playing him. <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, Rich, what do you think about this rumour that the new Wolverine will be revealed in Doctor Strange 2? We obviously had the moment where we heard uh, Patrick Stewart's voice, which leads me to think that Professor Xavier uh, will have some sort of a role. Uh, what do you think about the new Wolverine? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think not, mm. but only because I think they seem to be using this to use old characters. Yeah. Not new characters. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to, you know, they can use the Doctor Strange to like, oh, let's get Hugh Jackman in for one more, one more hurrah. And, you know, maybe we'll use this to bring in Deadpool, you know, or something like that. Because, mm. I mean, he's current thing. But um, I don't know if they're going to use it to introduce any new stuff. I mean, they might. Uh, if anything, I think maybe Fantastic Four. Mm. Might get a setup or introduction. I don't know about the X Men though. That's the only yeah. thing. Like Fantastic Four makes more sense, you know, especially when you're dealing with, um, um, like the multiverse. Because I mean, you know, Fantastic Four is famous for like multiverse adventures and alternate realities and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Definitely. So I think they fit that more. But there's also talk apparently that uh, that stupid um, Captain Carter might be in it as well. Oh my god! Like what? Haley Atwell playing the Captain America version, kind of thing. Yeah, with a serum. Oh, She's gonna have to one. beef herself up though, because uh, that uh, Captain Carter looks Amazonian <laughs> in the yeah. What If series, though. I I loved when people were like, "Oh, that was the best thing in the What Ifs." I'm like, "No, it wasn't. It's one of the worst things." Um, yeah, I could I could live my entire life and never see that and be happy. Uh, frankly, uh, but uh, yeah, because the thing is, look, I, I think there's going to be a lot of cameos. And yeah. look, they're already introducing a new character in America Chavez. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to go too crazy on introducing new characters. And I believe Wanda's going to be in it as well. So, I mean, unless they want to make it just very like heavy with like new introducing new characters, um, I think it's more about maybe cameo in old characters. Yeah. You know, because no, it's the mul again, it's the multiverse. So they can go like, oh, here's Xavier from like the Fox movies and. Yeah. Oh, look, that's Hugh Jackman next to him. And okay, thanks for the cameo. Bye. Like, yeah. I don't know. Take but who knows? With, with this shit, who knows? Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, 
I'm looking forward. Like, one thing they've succeeded, succeeded in doing is making me give a shit about the Doctor Strange 2 movie, which I wouldn't have cared about if not for all these cool cameos, you know? Like, yeah. I'm prepared to put up with... Uh, maybe America Chavez won't be as annoying as I'm picturing her um, if, it, if it means Patrick Stewart gets a, gets a chance to, you know, do, 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 do some, some of his brilliance, you know? I, I mean, I'm certainly sure. down for that. I mean, he's never really let me down before, old Patrick Stewart. He's, he's pretty consistent at the crease. Uh, he has let me down with the uh, Picard series. I, I to be fair, I haven't, I've, I haven't watched it. Don't watch it. If you want to keep your impression of him like high, yeah, yeah. don't watch it. I, I've only heard bad reports. Apparently, he's a robot. I read. He's, he's, oh, they're going to make him human again. I think. At uh, I think they're making him human at the end of the second series or the start of the. I don't know. It's so hard to keep right. fucking. But yeah, he dies and he downloads himself into it. What I find so hilarious, right, is Patrick Stewart's an old man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he downloads himself, like into his consciousness old... or whatever, into the exact same old man body. And I was yeah, like, I why would you do that? Yeah. That would have actually been a really good way of getting a new actor in yeah, to play uh, Picard if you're going to set – but to set him up and put him in the exact same old man body, I was just like, why? It's yeah, it's nuts. I Like it's – well, yeah, I mean, look, he's old. What can you do about it unless you're going to do CGI? But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I decided I'm going to inject myself into an 85-year-old man. That's going to that's gonna be a big improvement. Yeah, so um, I can still hobble around even though I'm supposed to be in an Android body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, yeah that's, uh, that is actually, I agree, that was something that I found. I, no part, like, much though I love Patrick Stewart and I love Next Generation, Something about that show, I've, I've, it's, I've, I've never checked it out, and I and I should because I, I I really like Patrick Stewart as Captain John Luke Picard, but I, it's almost like I want my memories to stay of Next Generation. I, I almost don't need more. You know what I mean? Like I I loved him so much in that show, and he was so good. But even the movies by the end, I, I thought they were stretching it too thin. By the end of the last couple of the Star Trek movies, I felt like I think you guys should wrap it up. I think we're we're sort of past the point of no return. Um, mm. I thought I thought the last couple of movies were, weren't very good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about Next Generation. If I'm ever going to watch it, I, I, I actually like the episodes of the actual show much more than the movies, other than First Contact, which I think is a very good movie. Um, I just... I, you, do you know, do you, yeah, you know the, when they squeeze something dry? The, the Next Generation movies are very hit and miss. Like... Um... I don't yeah. like I I I I pretty much enjoy all the original Star Trek movies except for Final Frontier. No, is that the is Final Frontier the one where they go to like the end of the universe? Yeah, to yeah. meet like a god or something like yeah yeah yes. that's probably the worst one. It is the worst. But <laughs> but all the other movies are really fun and enjoyable. Like even yeah. the one where they um um. Is it called The Way Home? What was it called? The one where they go yeah, to the world? The Voyage Home. The yeah. Voyage Home, that's it. Like, even that. that one, even though it's set in, like, was it San Francisco or something yeah, like that? In the 80s, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's still a really good, fun... Um, except, uh, you know what, another one which could also be maybe a bit boring is the very first one. Yes, totally agree. Um, uh, but The first one's a chore. So the first one and the last one are not great, but everything in between that yeah. is really fantastic. Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite favorites that never gets much love is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. It's the one after Final Frontier. Oh, no, that's fantastic. I that love one, that one. That's the I one with the Klingons, Klingons and yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're trying to broker peace and 
um, and uh, Kirk gets uh, framed for like murder. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's a fantastic one. That that and, one is. And Kirk is, is like fully pissed off with the Klingons. Is that not the last? Oh shit! I thought no, Final they, Frontier was the last one. Final Frontier is the fifth one. Then the oh, okay, one. okay. Well, then okay. Then it's well. Uh, yeah, the sixth you know, one is um is uh undiscovered country. Then the, the next one is generations, which is the one where Kirk. Yeah, generations is not great. It was fun at the time, but no, it's it doesn't hold up. I mean, I enjoyed it in the cinema. When I mean, I would out. say it's better than a lot of the other next generation ones. Yeah. But first contact, you are right, is like probably the best movie. one. I think it is. Um, yeah, after think. that, they got really boring. Totally agree. Yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, like well, Insurrection and Nemesis were were two pretty poor movies in a row. Yeah, like kind of yeah, like ne- uh, Next Generation is it's like a rocky start. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, the second movie, oh, brilliant, great, great. Anyway, we we got our foot in. Yeah, but then they just go downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. No, it's it, it's interesting. Um, but it's it's yeah, Star Trek's a funny one. I I tell you what though, like it was weird because. I always prefer, like still, even now, today, if you said to me, you, you can watch any Star Trek, uh, I would think either original series or Next Generation. That would be my, or, and the TV series, uh, I would pick. Um, they're, they're still my favourites. And, you know, I don't know what it is about them, but I, I, I just love the, the actual episodic format of those shows, I, I think was just awesome. Like, mm. I, I really feel it was like some of the best stuff. Um, yeah, no, they're, 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 they're great stuff, really. Like, I've actually, um, yeah, I just, I, I think Next Generation was an incredibly good show. Now, um, now you might know the artist Rick Veach. Um, he, he just passed away, Rich. Are you familiar with this he, guy? Not super familiar. I, I do know, I, I've seen his artwork, but I'm not actually, like, super familiar with a, a lot of his books. I don't actually think I've read a lot of it. He did, he did a lot of Swamp Thing. A lot of eighty stuff. I think he did some Star Wars stuff as well, which is why I thought you might have known him. He he did stuff on Supreme. Um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't massive in Supreme and all that. Okay, yeah, but um, yeah, it is sad. Like uh, I'm just trying because I know he did. I know he did like uh, Swamp Thing and all that, but he also did a lot of indie work. Yes, like he did. A, he did a lot of independent work, which I'm, I'm not super familiar with. Yeah, uh, yeah, but no, I do know his Swamp Thing. That's like that was the way I was like, oh, okay, I know him from that Swamp Thing, but. I didn't really know him from anything else, really. Hmm. Um, I tell you what, something I is he Star Wars though? I don't remember. No, I, I don't see any Star Wars here. I, I see, it, they announced it on a Star Wars forum, which is why I thought he'd done Star Wars, but he didn't. He did do some Supreme, which is what I've been reading actually recently, which is why I know it, and he was good in that actually. I but, Swamp um, stuff was 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 brilliant. I will say that uh, yeah. he, he's probably been one of the best Swamp Thing artists. I've got um, a question for you, Richard, as an artist. I notice when I go to the artists' bibliographies, it's always a lot less than the writers because obviously it takes longer. Um, you know, but what I'm wondering is like, how do they forge careers? You know, on a page rate, if the writer can get through so much more, you know, a writer who's a prolific writer gets through so many more issues than even a prolific artist. Uh, this must be a challenging part of being a comic book artist. It strikes me. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I mean, personally, I think um, that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of people say that you know the, the pay for comic book artists is so bad because, yeah. Um, yeah, because because I think like writers can just you know I mean yes it is difficult to come up with an idea and write it but 
you can churn through it pretty quickly if yes. you've got a good idea or something like that. You know, that's why you've got some writers who can work on three or four different books. Yep. You yep. know, because you, again, it's much easier to type out the page. Yeah. And you can always edit it, make quick some changes. Oh, I'll move that. Da, 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 da. It's not the same thing with art. I mean, the art, one, you have to take someone's words mm. and then figure out how to bring that to to the page in, in a way that sort of fits that story and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and I think that is why, and let's be honest, that's why a lot of artists uh, uh, in the 90s mm. got sick of it. And that's why a lot of them went and formed Image. Yeah. Uh, was because they were like, hey, you know, we we are the ones that bring these comics to life. Yeah, we're, 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 the we're ones not we're not getting the, as much recognition as the writers. Yeah, um, you know, because that's why I've always said, I said, as a writer, you don't need an artist because you can still go write a novel. Oh, you know what he also did? The question uh, he did a question run uh, in two thousand five, I believe, with Denny. Um, okay. I think maybe it was with Greg Rucker. It might have been Greg Rucker when they did. Would that would have been when it was the woman? Renee Montoya. Yeah, yeah I never read been. those. They were good. They were really good. Um, you know, they, they, they were good, man, actually, in fairness. Because like, it, it, it had it, it had the original question in it as well. Uh, yeah. That, that, you that, did? That was I thought he died. They have like a handover sort of thing. Because um, Greg Rucker did it in... Um, New, he did it in the 52. Yeah, it was in the backups of Detective as well. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I could be wrong, but I, I believe that there was, like, a handover. Because um, yeah, I remember in 52, she was trying to get him back to, like, uh, what was it? Uh, to question. Na- Nadropole <laughs> or something like that or yeah, whatever the, the thing was. And he died on the way there. And then he, right. she, he's like, you're the question now. And then. Yeah, well, I liked her as the question. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, he did a 12-issue a run on Aqua, and I'm just looking at some of his um, longer runs. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff here and there. But, uh, yeah, he, he had a long career. Um, who I, think he did some, I think he did some covers for Star Wars. Sure, right. Maybe. Okay, I, don't, I don't know if he did any interior work, though. Well, I was going to say, a lot of these artists who are quite big names like he was, um, a lot of them move into commercial art as well, don't they? Like how Neil Adams and his studio did. They do a lot of stuff for advertisements and stuff. You know, am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, back in the day, um, you you could get a little bit more work because obviously magazines and all that, um, you know, you could use your artwork or or stuff. But, I mean, it's it's not as much now. Like, no. Uh, I, I think I think it's it's much harder to be a freelance artist now. I mean, now if you want to be an artist, you've got to um, uh, you've you've got to be very familiar with digital work. Yes. Um, not so much hand drawn anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. For sure. And some you draw digitally, don't don't you? As well as as well as on hand, don't you? You do some digital stuff, don't you? Wait. Hang on a second. Am I confusing? Maybe I've got an. Is it Rick Vich or Tom Vich? Oh, that's a good point. I thought it was Rick Feach. Maybe it's not Rick Feach who's dead. Maybe Rick Feach is alive and well. Yeah, it does say is here. So he is an American comics artist. So you could be right, Rich. You could be onto something. No, yeah, it's Tom Vich. No, sorry, I'm getting confused here because I put in the news Tom Vich, a great Star Wars uh, who helped shape the Old Republic, has passed away. Right. Okay. So we've got we've we've got literally. Uh, but Tom Vich was not a a, a, a a writer. He was an author. He was, uh, sorry, he wasn't an artist. He was a writer. Ah, uh, right. 
Oh, uh, that's where you got me confused. No, yeah, no, sorry. Tom Veitch is a writer who's done Star Wars. I see. What comics and novels, or what? What? Uh, mainly the the comics. Um, he did the Dark Empire, and he also helped sort of flesh out the um, the Old Republic uh, right. in Tales of the Jedi. So he basically uh, kind of built that world of you know like the early um, Jedi and Sith. And, cool. and and like the Sith race and the hyperspace wars and all that sort of stuff. That's like this this early like it's basically what the the, the uh, I think Bioware used a lot of that inspiration for the Knights of the Republic game. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, sorry, Tom Vich is Tom the, Vich, yeah. the is the passed writer. away COVID. He was eighty, so he'd had a fairly good innings. Um, yeah, okay. He wrote uh, some Animal Man. He wrote Commanded Earth Send, Superman at Earth Send. Uh, he's known for initiating the Dark Horse comics line of Star Wars books with Dark Empire and Tales of the Jedi. That is hilarious, though, that there's a Tom Vich and a Rick Vich, and yeah, well, <laughs> one's, a, one's an artist and one's a writer. They yeah. should have worked together. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been fantastic if they did work together. Yeah, no, that would have been a, that would have been a marriage made in heaven. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But anyway, look, I mean... God bless him. Now, Richard, have you heard about this Elvis movie? Uh, Tom Hanks is playing Colonel Parker. I I just can't get it around my head that some other guy is going to play Elvis. I would have preferred they did a deep fakes version and had the real Elvis in the movie. Could they not have done that, Rich? Am I am I uh, way off base? Well, let's. Go, I don't know. I mean, why not? Why do we have to have a fake Elvis? That's my problem. Well, I mean. Get a really any, any biopic is a fake. <laughs> like yeah, but, it, but I know, but it feels like Elvis to me, like the the, the king. You know, I, the only guy who can really do Elvis is Elvis to me. Well, I, I mean, the, really the young guy, the, the young guy that they've got, it's not terrible. It's just that the problem is he's too gaunt in the face. If he could sure. just put a little bit of weight in the face, you know, sure. um, round his face a little bit, I actually think he he could nail the look. Now. Nailing the look is one thing, but actually acting like Elvis is another thing. Because you got to remember, I mean, everyone can do their fat Elvis impersonation. Sure. But, you know, young Elvis is a different... Mm. It's I, almost I like, like a Elvis different person Vegas. altogether. I like Elvis in Vegas, you know? Well, that's right. the fat Elvis, yes. Yeah, it's burn love. <laughs> that's the, uh, on, the, the... What do they call it? The, on, what's the suit? Like the Paris <laughs> Yeah, the jumpsuit. The jumpsuit, the like, 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 suspicious. Everyone does that, Elvis, but very few people Elvis, impersonate young Elvis. Yeah, Elvis 56, fresh off the, yeah, train, yeah, mystery train, heartbreak hotel, that kind of stuff. Mm. Love me tender. Love me sweet. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's just, he's the king. And I had him on the other night. Michelle was out. And all, pretty much every time Michelle goes away, I bring out Elvis 72. And Elvis, that's the way it is. Um, Get the Blu-rays out, throw them on. I just find them so relaxing to watch. I know them. I know that even the conversations Elvis has in them. I know them so well. Yeah, like when he's talking to the to the band and stuff. And he there's a funny line he does in the live concerts. He he goes, we got uh, we got someone someone tough on drums. We got Jerry Shift on on guitars. Anyway, you look at it. That's tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you look at it. That's tough shit. Anyway, you look at it, and um, and Michelle just, just she she just rolls her eyes at the back of her head when I, when I start playing my Elvis because it's he's just I don't know for me no one does it better and it, the problem is who's going to do the singing 
like, I hope he's a loser. Doesn't have to do the singing. Can we? Can we get like fucking? Elvis I'm doing sure the they'll do a. Um, if he can't sing, they'll just do a lip syncing thing. What about my idea for the deep fakes? Why can't we have just a CGI Elvis rolling around? That'd be good. It's very expensive. They've got the money, man. They've got the money, mm. dude. It's very expensive, bro. How expensive? The movie's expensive in the first place, so... Yeah, but they, again, you've already got to pay your actors and your... Yeah, but you don't have your, to pay an actor. Are... That's the thing. No, Whatever... you, no, 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 no. You still have to pay an actor because you still have to have someone there uh, to put you? the face on. Right. But that could be anyone. You could pay them, like, scale rates. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. you still got to pay, is my point. And then... Yeah, and but then you're gonna pay, scale. and then you're gonna pay a whole bunch of people to make it come to reality, sure. because it's not just one person doing the deepfake and all that, and it's it's quite expensive. I mean, it's one of the reasons why um, it's used very sparingly in movies. I want to use a lot more. <laughs> I mean, I hey, you said hey, we'll we'll get there one day, don't you worry? But but like, I'm one of those people where they're like, if we could get like more Humphrey Bogart movies, and use deep fakes on Humphrey Bogart and get movies going. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd but, watch but, it. Yeah, but here's the problem, though. Is that, let's say you even do a really good deep fake, right? Yeah. It's still... That's not acting, though. Someone still has to do his voice and his... his I thought um, they got the... No, they do the voice, like the voice from Luke Skywalker. No, but again, that's uh, that's an algorithm, but it's it doesn't have the nuances. Again, that's one of the complaints, is that Luke looks really good in Boba Fett. Yeah. But he sounds dull, and that's because the algorithm can't really do like like acting with like inflections or emotion or anything like that. Like it's very hard. So you may get someone who looks like Elvis, but it's not gonna it's not gonna feel like Elvis. A lot of love. Yeah, I don't know, man. I look, I I don't know if they should do it. Frankly, I look, I think Johnny Cash, Joaquin Phoenix did a very good job. Uh, I think he did an excellent job. I like. I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a fantastic job of Johnny Cash. Um, but, but that's why I said, like, sometimes it's not really about the look as much. Like, it, it, even if someone just kind of looks a little bit like the part, it's whether they can bring the part to life. It's whether or not they can embody the person that they're supposed to be playing. Man, I wish I had a time machine and I could just be a fly on the wall for Elvis's whole career. Like, I'd be happy. If they're like, Dave, okay... You, you can be the fly on the wall of Elvis's whole career. Be, be kind of like, just enjoy it all, all the behind the scenes, all the excess, all the highs, all the lows. I'd be like, bring it, bring it on. Bring it damn on. Like, and that's the other thing. How, like, he had a long career. So Elvis in 56 is very different from Elvis in like 72 or 69 and Aloha in Hawaii, Aloha from Hawaii. Like, there's a lot of versions of Elvis. Uh, can one man do it all? You know, other than the man himself, who we can't resurrect. But is this Elvis movie though his whole life or just his early career? Know. We don't know that, Rich. We don't. I know think that's it's just his special. early career, honestly. Oh, seriously, we're not even get to Vegas. Maybe we're they'll save that for a. Night? Maybe they'll save that for a part two or a different movie. Ronan Love, yeah. Well, I love his early stuff. I too, f- I feel wrong. like this might be a movie that just uh, gives you like a, the movie on how he was discovered. Like him breaking through. Maybe it ends with him going into the army. You know? Yeah, possibly. But I, I think this, for years. like, because they've got a really young actor. So there's no way that this guy can pull off older uh, Elvis. I think this is going to be like, this is how Elvis made it big, or this is how Elvis became a name. Mystery Train, Love Me Tender, Jailhouse Rock, Heartbreak Hotel, classics. 
Mm. What about Return Sender? That song. I love that song. I love that song so much. Return Sender. Uh, one of my friends, Natalie, was saying, she said, I, I said it the other day, like, I said, Elvis in the floral shirts in the 60s was low-key hot. I actually said that myself, and she said it's true. And she said with the tan that he had going on in Return to Sender, I mean, he's an inc- this is the thing about Elvis. Like, you know, he was an incredibly good-looking guy when he was young. Like, he had so much charisma, looks, voice, could dance, could act. I mean, he was like, forget triple threat. He was like quadruple threat. You yeah, know? well, I mean, that's why he was such a big king. star. I mean, he was... It's the fucking king. You know, he, he pretty much did it all, didn't he? Pretty much did do it all. You know, did Simple Shepherd. <laughs> 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 there was a drum there. I should get a drum roll for that comment. No offense to Shepard, but I mean, but like, yeah, he was he was incredible. I mean, I don't know. He's to me, he's the king. I, I throw on those, I throw on those concert films every single time. And he was also charming as well. He was cool, you know. He was nice. He was a great man. In his younger days, he he definitely had more of like a, a boyish charm. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and then when he got a, sort of that bit older, it was more yeah. of like. Um, that older man charm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. But when he was younger, it was it was very much that like that that young boy, like yeah. not young, but young man. Yes, um, yeah, you're right. Looks yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Well, and you know, he he had a great smile, Elvis. You know, kind eyes and a great smile as well. Had a had a magnetic smile. Um, you can tell I'm a fan. I, look, I, and I just am kind of annoyed. I I think it, what annoys me is that the king is dead. And we have to put up with these sort of pretenders to the throne. You know, I think Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker is good good casting. You know, Colonel Parker was kind of guiding and shaping his career. He was kind of a huckster, a carnival huckster before he met Elvis. And then he just hitched his bandwagon to that. And Well, he was always a carnival huckster. It's just that he hitched his, he hitched yeah. his uh, wagon to the right uh, carnival. Yeah, he sure did. And um, But I think that's good casting. I think Hanks can do something with that role. Um, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated. I wish a Clint Eastwood was directing, um, someone whose hands I could trust it in, you know, I, I don't know who's directing this film. Um, we probably can find that out, Rich. Is, is there a director attached to this? There must be if there's, there's stars attached. Who's directing? Uh, yeah. I mean, if they're casting people, I'd imagine they've got to have a director. Well, let's have a look. We're, we're doing a bit of deep dives here now. Like this is, this is how we're doing it on Signal these days. Like, we're getting more and more into Elvis movie 2022. Let's have a look. There's a trailer. Oh my god! Are you fucking kidding? Is this? Oh, it's Baz Luhrmann. Oh, right. That's oh. interesting. Yeah, but I'm looking at this guy who's playing him. Like, there's a trailer out. Apparently, I didn't know there was a trailer out. Um, yeah, this guy is not who I'm picturing for Elvis. Like, at all. He looks like he's about 12. Um, oh, yeah, I'm not happy. Yeah. I, Baz Luhrmann is interesting. Baz Luhrmann has done some really good movies. He's just a very... When I, when I said Baz Luhrmann, I mean, I, he has a very particular style, a sort of very campy, over-the-top, which could work, actually, um, style. Um, yeah, that's an interesting choice. I didn't, I didn't actually think of that. I, I reckon it will finish with him... Uh, meeting Priscilla and then going into the army. I, I've got a feeling that's where the movie will end, you know. And yeah, anyway, well, we'll see. Austin Butler is the guy's name. He's the star. Yeah, he, of the he was in the. Uh, he was in that MTV's uh, Chronicles of Shannara. Right. 
Uh, he was also in Manson family member Tex Watson in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he was one of the baddies. Oh, um, yeah, 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 he was. He was, yeah. yeah okay. Um, Olivia de Jong plays Priscilla. Um, so, yeah, it's all his... It's all his... Um, it's, it's all, all his, the young stuff. All his young stuff. And, uh, yeah, okay. And, all right, well, okay, I guess. So, look, it's, I guess Baz Luhrmann, at least, you know, he's going to go for a musical. Um, you would oh, more than likely, I reckon there'd be a fair. If it's Baz Luhrmann, there's going to be a fair bit of singing for sure. That'd be pretty good. That 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 makes me happy actually, because you can't go wrong with those songs. You know, like those songs are so strong. Like the, the, he's got so the, so many of those early songs, dude. Are fucking, you know, um, what was it? Um, the Devil in Disguise. He's the Devil in Disguise. And that that one. Viva Las Vegas. I don't know if it's an early sixties. You know. Viva Las Vegas. Has, has he got one called You Can't Be Cruel or something? Or cruel, something cruel. Oh, isn't it You've Got to Be Cruel to Be Kind or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like, he's the devil in disguise. Little less conversation. Yeah, that one, you know, little less mm-hmm. conversation. It's got a lot of big A little more hits. action. It's got a lot of big hits, man. And I'm starting to get pretty excited about this film now. <laughs> um, I don't know. In my mind, though, like... I mean, how long can I cling to life, Richard, if we think about it literally? Can I cling to life long enough for us to find aliens, for us to have Elvis movies with Elvis deep faked into it and Humphrey Bogart movies with Humphrey Bogart deep faked? Can I get to the... No, can sorry, I... man. You'll have to watch it from heaven. From heaven? From my seat <laughs> eating popcorn? I'll be just like... They'll be like, Dave, do you want to come out and play in the fields of heaven? I'm like, no, I'm pretty happy watching TV, you know? Oh, the man, there's a new Bogon movie. <laughs> yeah, can we get the masseuse in that can work the back? <laughs> you really let yourself go since you've come to heaven, Dave. I'm like, yeah, well, there's all, they've got all this new technology on Earth. You'd be like, don't judge me. Yeah, I'd be like, don't judge me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in heaven. This is heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's heaven. What can I tell you? Get to do what I want. It's heaven. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's craziness. Uh, look, but I, I could cling to life for what, another 30, 40 years, potentially, Rich? I mean, could we make it in that time? I think we could, dude. Like, we're all, think of the, adva- the advances we've made since the 90s in technology, you know? And the fact is they can do commercials and have those people in them and stuff. If you can do a commercial, you can do a movie. It's just a question of cost. That's mm. that's what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, yeah. Come on, man. Get with it, man. You're always saying, like, you hate everything new. Well, this way you can bring back all the old stars, man. Dust them all off. Give the estate some money. But it, would, but it would still be new. It wouldn't be... Yeah, but they can it, cater to It would to still be made ones. by the same new wankers, so... I don't know. I, for me, I'm hoping for it. I, this is where I am in my life. And I know that the things <laughs> they're going to put in their mouths are going to be just awful dialogue and... Sure. Character development. So, no, I would not be excited at all, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I tell you a good Elvis movie that no one ever talks about. He did a movie with uh, Mary Tyler Moore called Change of Habit. Great movie. Um, ever seen it, Rich? It's in about nineteen seventy. It's one of his last movies, actually. Um, it, it was shortly. It was about nineteen sixty nine seventy, and it's very good. I love that movie, Change of Habit. It's called. Okay. If you're an Elvis fan, there's one. There's one to check out. If you want to see Elvis show a bit of range, you know. Oh, have, have a look for it. I haven't. I'm not. I don't think I've seen it. No. Uh, Kissing Cousins. Have you seen that one? 
to go back. Yes, I have actually seen that The one. blonde Elvis. Like, like, <laughs> <that's good. laughs> yeah, because that's the one where he plays two. Yeah, uh, plays two. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. There's the one where he plays the Indian Elvis. I don't, I, I don't know what it's called, but like, you know, it's it's. Um, I guess he did have some. I think he had some Indian in him, didn't he? Some Native American, I think, in his. In his uh, he, he was theme. definitely mixed, but I can't mixed. remember what. Well, they always say the mixes are the most beautiful of all, the races. You know, like when you mix, you can get some of the most beautiful sort of people. And he was a beautiful person. So, I mean, you know, the old mix, mix it up. The melting that seems pot. like a very blanket statement. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Richard. I'm trying to do a, I'm trying to do an Elvis special here. You can at least try to agree with me. I know, but you just make such like blanket statements like, oh, all mixed people are the best people. Like they're the no, most I'm beautiful. No, I'm saying they do say that some of the most beautiful People are a mix of certain cultures and stuff. They do say that. There's a lot, a Who lot says of that? Be- lot of lot of people have said that, Richard. Okay. Um, I've said that. My mother has always <laughs> said that. I, I've heard commentators say that they do. They okay. when you mix it up, like like the old saying back in the day was Creole. You know, um, you know there was different words to describe when they would mix people together, and you yeah, you do definitely see. Some some beautiful mixes from races and stuff. It, it happens, man. What can I tell you? It's biology, dude. I Check didn't it say out. it doesn't happen. I just don't agree that all the beautiful people are mixed. Or They're not all. Most beautiful like, are all mixed race. I think that's a bit weird. Well, whatever, man. Like, hey, take it up with the take it up with the you with know, you society. and your mum. Take it up with my mother. Yeah, <laughs> his, his, yeah take, it up, take it up to Mrs. Finn. Um, <laughs> And me, by the way, who was also That's why I said you and your mother are taking over. I think that Elvis did have a slight touch of Native American, but I may also be being coloured by the movie itself. <laughs> I think he did play one. Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, because you can remember back in those days, you didn't have to be um, yeah. the well, race like, that but, you were playing. So. Well, Burt Lancaster played an Apache in Apache, you know? Yeah, uh, from, good from movie, though. Good, very good movie. I agree. Very good movie. Incredibly good movie. Let's uh, before we leave Elvis, I want to find out Elvis movie. He played a Native American. Elvis movie, Native American. Let's find out what the movie's called. I, I want to say it's called like Rio something. Um, like it's 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 Elvis, Native American, and I'll put in movie. It's, um, he said he looked like he had a mix in him, like Flaming Star. There you go. Um, that's the, that's the name of the movie. Flaming Star. He's got the headdress on here. In which movie did he played half breed American Indian pacer burden in Flaming Star? Yeah, and, but to be um, fair, so many actors have played an Indian, so sure. But do, or do Native want to... American, whichever one yeah. I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to <laughs> run run afoul of the senses. <laughs> like if they've not been offended by now, I'd be surprised. Um, Elvis Presley. Indian heritage or Native American heritage. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Do you think he's got some in him? I, I'm, I'm going with he's got a little bit in him. I Maybe he's got some Eskimo in him. It's an Inuit, as they say. Oh, that's definitely Native, uh, Native American. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, the king. Where was he from? Memphis, Tennessee. Um, let's have a look here. Elvis Presley had a varied ethnic heritage. His great-great-great-grandmother, who was descended from twice, was a Cherokee Indian named Morning Dove. 
This was his mother's ancestor, and his mother also had Jewish ancestors. Elvis Presley was also German, French, and Scottish. There you go. So he was a real he's mix. Quite the, he's quite the mixed bag. And that is proving what I'm saying. He, he mixed up all the races, man. And then he came out with Elvis Presley, dude. He's like the melting pot. He's okay. the king. As, you know, and you can see it in him. Like, you look at him and you're like, man, whatever this guy's got going what? on. It's yeah, a, but again, it's that maybe the, maybe he's the exception. Maybe not. he's not the rule. I think he's the rule, Richard. I think, <laughs> I, think he's the, I think he's the king for reasons. I think, think you I'm, think he's the bee's knees, Dave. I do. I do. And let's move away from Elvis because this is about the Elvis movie, which I'm still. I, I actually, I actually am happy that Baz Luhrmann's doing it. Though. I will say that. You have, well, ba- put it this way: from this, from the start of the conversation to the end, now you've come around. I have. I've talked myself around. Um, Rick Riordan confirms filming for Disney Plus live action series of Percy Jackson that's starting this summer. They did a couple of Percy Jackson movies. Yeah, I think they did two. Yeah, 10 years ago. I actually saw them. They weren't too bad. I mean, my expectations were very low when I saw them. Um, Uh, The first movie was actually pretty good. Um, The second movie was not as good, but the first one was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. so this is some weird news. Daniel Radcliffe, who's also come up on the show earlier when uh, Adam the Computer said he'd drink bleach in the theatre if he plays Wolverine. I don't even know. How would you even get bleach into the theatre? <laughs> he's going to bring the bleach. And if it is Daniel Radcliffe, he's going to chug it. Um, chug, which chug, I, chug. I, I like <laughs> anyone. It's kind of suicidal. And I like someone displaying that intensity. Now, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. You didn't, like the, you didn't like my intensity when I said, if you make me watch it, I'll kill myself. Oh, well, I sort of did. I'm in a different, hey, I, I was in a different mood. Now I'm like, you know what, Rich? Play your own game. You know what I mean? If that's, if <laughs> no, you you're like, yeah, there, you know what? I like your passion. Yeah, if you want to sit there with a gun in your mouth, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. And definitely do Russian roulette, though, at least. Make it fun. You know what I mean? Like, give, give it a sense of No, energy. because then there's a potential that I still have to go see it <laughs> if the gun doesn't go off. Now, Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al Yankovic in a movie and actually looks to have completely disappeared into the role. Can I just say this? I said to Michelle, who the hell is calling for a weird Al Yankovic movie? And Michelle said, other than his family and himself, like, well, he's got, he's got fans. Come on. You don't have this longer career. If you don't have fans, if no one's buying your music, do you really like, we've just talked about Elvis. Do you really think people give a shit about weird Al Yankovic's life to a point where they want to see a movie with Daniel Radcliffe playing? Maybe. Like, I mean, uh, uh, Howard Stern got a fucking movie. I mean, that was a good movie, but he played himself. Him. He played himself. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, well, yeah, but to be fair, that his movie came out many, many years ago, like yeah. over 20 years ago, where he was still young. Yeah. I mean, you just parts. don't know who, who might be interested in watching that sort of movie. That's the thing. I mean, um, I never thought that Howard Stern needed a movie, but he got one and it did well. So yeah, you never know. Guess so. I, and I mean, he's had a long career and he's spoofed a lot of famous songs. So I don't know. Can I be honest? I've always found him massively overrated. I, I, I've never really understood the obsession with Widow Yankovic. Uh, I've never got it. I've never, maybe he's a lot funnier live. I've only caught some of his songs, and and I'm like, what is the big fucking deal? Like, I don't know. I think he's pretty funny. Yeah, really. I've never all his songs, but he has got some funny songs. I tell you, he's got a really bad one. He's got one about Star Wars, and it's fucking woeful. I I, I enjoy you talking about the one that's uh, from um, uh, uh, the the um, 
prequels. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee. What's the name of that song? That's Miss American Pie. What do yeah, you think? So that's the song he took when he goes, I'm going to be a Jedi. Like, I thought it was actually pretty good. <laughs> well, I hated it. And, um, and I. I don't know. I've just never got it. And I also feel like... I, again, I thought it was brilliant because I don't think anyone ever thought of taking that song and going, let's make a Star Wars song out of uh, the, the American Pie one. Like. All right. But, like, here's the other thing. The career's cooled down big time. Really oh, yeah, cooled down. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's cooled down. But unlike an Elvis or a Johnny Cash, they're, you know, it, they exist past their death. He's still alive. And no one cares. That's what it feels like. Like it's like the heat's off, man. Like so, I, what? I don't, I don't know. I mean, that the problem you've got to be very careful when you talk about your own personal preference and think that everyone no. shares that preference, dude. What one thing I'm renowned for is my social commentary and my finger on the pulse. You know, and I know where things are, and I know that Widow Yankovic, he's an '80s relic. You know, to me, mm. it feels like when was the last hit? When was the last hit? It, it wasn't within the last thirty years. I swear to God, you know, um, I don't know, Rich, uh, do you feel, here's a question. Okay. Do you think this film will turn a profit? The I don't know. Is it coming out or is it just going on streaming? Let's have a look. Let's have a look, Richard. Will you pay money to see it in the cinemas, Rich? No, but I would definitely watch it if it came on streaming. <laughs> yeah, well, so what? That, that's basically saying, yeah, I'll throw it yeah, on. Yeah, but no, no, no. Free. To be fair, Dave, I literally go to the movies like only once or twice a year. So that's that's my own thing. That's not a fair assessment of the movie. I, I'm just looking here. Willio Jankovic movie. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at this movie. Weird. I know oh that's a some bullshit he's got going on. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe will play without Jankovic. I don't know. Let's have a look. Just trying to get some information on this. He's 32. Widow's 62. The movie will stream exclusively on the Roku channel. There you go. It, the Roku. Biopic, is it Roku? Roku. R-O-K-U. No, the biopic holds nothing back, exploring every facet of Yankovic's life from his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously depraved lifestyle. Jesus. Wow. That's really right up your alley, Dave. If only it was someone like gave a shit about. Like, why can't they do this? Why can't <laughs> hey, they do maybe this? you watch the movie and you have more respect for the guy. Maybe there's things you didn't know about him. I do enjoy a dark trip. You know what I mean? Like, I do enjoy it. Like, that's one thing I really liked about the Doors movie. That like you saw the darkness kind of thing in the doors. Like that. Would was it be funny if his life that you didn't know about was like darker than the doors? <laughs> yeah, like he's like. Well, it could be. I mean, for all we know, the guy was like a massive heroin addict or something. Like, God <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Cool. Maybe that's why you need the biopic to find out. But like, you didn't know. how unfortunate that he. Unfortunately, his songs are so fucking insufferably lame. Like none of that uh, darkness has come across, man. Like, man, he's had. Like, he, well, he's well. He he doesn't do dark songs. He does funny songs. Yeah, you know, know, but sometimes, hey, you know this for a fact. But sometimes, most comedians sure. are like super dark and depressed, and yeah. and have and have issues. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, the funniest people that we think are like the comedians have a very dark, hidden, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, aspect of themselves. So maybe this Alcoholic, will inform people of like, you know, all that kind of stuff. this? Oh, I'm this wacky guy in public, and I make these funny songs, and then behind the scenes, he's like, you know. <laughs> Where's Doing orgy, shagging woman, 
passing out fucking in the hotel. So I'm, I don't know. I've not actually followed his career, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they're trying to make it sound like I think they're trying to get some interest going in this very fucking vanilla star. But uh, what was I going to say? You know, Jerry Lewis. We spoke about him earlier. He did a he did some movie that has never been shown. That was so offensive. It was about the Nazis, and I think it was, had like a Pied Piper thing and leading people to the concentration camps and stuff. Like it was really, really, really ugly, and and very few people have seen it. And the studio would not release it. It was just unreleasable kind of thing. Um, but he was obsessed with the whole crying clown kind of thing. Apparently, Dean Martin thought it was really pathetic. Um, you know, like just the whole, I'm a crying clown inside. Like I'm laughing to stop from crying or that shit. And apparently Dean Martin was just like, this is some of the lamest shit I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> which is well, funny. That doesn't surprise me about Dean Martin. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is so lame. I've got to go. I've got, I've got somewhere I've got to be, Jerry. Bye-bye. You're just a dollar sign. <laughs> yeah, keep crying, pal. Uh, um, at least he's honest. Yeah, he's honest, yeah. Uh, now, Richard, you brought in some Punisher news, which I always appreciate. Um, can you break this news down for us, Rich? What's going on? Uh, all right. So Eric Larson has decided to weigh in on the whole... Of Savage Dragon fame, Eric yes. Larson, yes. Yes, right. uh, he's decided to weigh in on the whole uh, Punisher changing skull oh. uh, stuff. And he says, instead of changing the skull logo, the mm. easiest way to fix the Punisher is to make him gay. Larson wrote on Twitter, instead of changing Punisher's chess emblem, they should just have Frank finally realize that he's gay. He then added, and the beauty of it is that he wouldn't alter the comics at all. He'd still be dressing in leather, ignoring the ladies, and hanging out in bars with other sweaty dudes. In subsequent Punisher, tweet, he Punisher, added, is, Punisher has fucked women in the comics. Like, I'm nothing against yeah. Well, Punisher. hang on, hang on. You'll see how even more wrong he is later. Okay, right. In a subsequent tweet, he added, and then the Punisher skull would take on a whole new meaning and it would just kill the dudes who brandish it. They're such a homophobic lot. What? Seriously, if you read Punisher comics, which exist, nothing changes. You can read comics that are in print and it all works. Man, he keeps his van tidy. Weird how he hasn't hooked up with a lady in 50 years. It all fits, he asserted. He's an idiot. So I thought I would get your take on... Well, my... Um, my I mean, Eric Punisher Larson. not realising that he's gay yet. Well, firstly, <laughs> I do want to say, in no way do I want this to be taken as anti-gay uh, LGBT at all. I, I just... It's an odd, odd sort of comment. I mean, clearly this guy doesn't um, read Punisher. Uh, Punisher... If he had read Punisher, you know, in the in the history of what's been published, you know, um, Punisher had a wife and kids that were killed in Central Park. He has slept with multiple women over the course of years, not tons, because he's haunted by his wife's death. Yes, but it hasn't been fifty years since he slept with a woman. No, but he certainly has. He 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 slept with Electra, uh, Conchita, um, and Electra was much more recently as well. Like uh, what was the name that one Chuck created? I think he slept with her. Lynn, Lynn, is it Lynn Varley, um, the female Punisher? Uh, Lynn Michaels, I think, was the name. Great, great character. Yeah, Lynn Michaels. Um, yeah, and others. Um, I'm just I'm plucking can names I, at random. Can I just say something that I find more terrible than just his, like, oh, let's just do this to piss off homophobes, is he yeah. has brandished every single gay stereotype. Yeah, I don't quite get why what he's... making him gay. He's like, well, he wears leather, so all gays will wear leather, 
right? He hangs out with sweaty dudes, like all yeah. gays hang out with sweaty dudes. And then it's like, he keeps his van tidy. You know, all gays keep their, yeah. their, their cars it, and house tidy. Like, wow, of... talk about like stereotyping every single gay person. It's like, it's I really find that more offensive than him, you know, trying yeah. to claim that Punisher hasn't slept with a woman I mean, I, I, dude, I don't really give a fuck about Eric Larson's opinion on anything uh, other than, um, uh, sorry, especially not, I mean, clearly he doesn't even understand Punisher. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, this is a certain person who's like, oh, I'm an ally, but yet I will yeah. put you all into, no, no, but I'll put all of, all of all the gay people into one box. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like he's an ally. It sounds like he's kind of just trying to kind of amuse himself almost like it just it's it's a weird tweet to put out there because as you say yeah i mean you, he's trying to sort of it's kind of like he's it's like stuck in 82 or something and he's trying to sort of do the cliches of, but dude how about this how about this what's that your wife died and you haven't slept with a woman in years you must be gay <laughs> It's not the first time I've heard. Yeah, it's it's not the first time I've heard people who don't in any way read comics, you know, like or no Punisher, try to paint it that way because they view him as like Toskin toxic masculinity and blah blah blah. And and there certainly is an element of gay culture which is heavily that macho, you know, that exists, like you know, Muscle Boys and all that kind of stuff and leather, and it all exists, but. You know, these are, if not outliers, they're various parts of an experience, but I, I don't see really much point to what he's even saying. It's, it, it is kind of borderline offensive. Like, you know, you, you know, not, you know, I'm not offended, but I'm kind of like, you could see how someone could be because he's just sort of so, it's just so lame as well. Like, I mean, it's, it's hard to even get worked up about it because it's just so fucking lame. It's like Eric Larson, like um, maybe don't tweet late night. Like you, you had a tough day. And, yeah, because you certainly yeah. come across like a, a, your very own bigot as well. It comes across like a wanker, man. Like it just comes across as just a, as a loser. Actually, like, you, talk, you talk about Toxic masculinity. You know a movie I just rewatched recently, which I actually really enjoy, and I'm very sad that it didn't become a bit of a franchise. Sure. The A-Team. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, the remake with Bradley... Um, yeah, Bradley Cooper, yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. yeah it was, actually, fun. It was I mean, actually a really good movie. Like, it's not, like, super great or anything, but I would have loved at least another two movies. Oh, so would I. Oh, I would have turned up for a sequel. It's kind of like, you know what it's like, the Equalizer movies. Like, I like I love the original TV show, and then they did the Equalizer movie, and I was like, that was damn good. And then it was popular enough that they... The second one, it would have been nice if the A team had been popular enough that they could have done the second one because yeah. they had the building blocks of a good franchise. Yeah, and and I really enjoyed it because it didn't really change the source material. Yeah, like yeah. you know, it's it's not like the you know like Twenty One Jump Street, like, like that was popular, but I mean they really changed it from the TV. Yeah, show. they went for comedy, flat you out know, comedy. Yeah, and then they did that with Starsky and Hatch and all that. You know what I mean? And they did that with Chips as well recently. But like this yes. one, they were like, no, let's do it like a proper, you know, like we can have fun. I mean, they're yeah, bro-dudes. I thought it was fun. I, but it was I a good it was action serious. movie and all that sort of stuff. So I was really disappointed I didn't get at least another two movies. Though. It was well cast as well. Uh, certainly Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper. Who played Murdoch? Was there oh, it's the, um, uh, I'm going to have to remember his name. No, it's from? a South African actor. Oh, I don't know him. Uh, he was in uh, District 9. Oh, okay. Right, and he yeah. was in that, what was that movie with uh, Matt Damon? Was it called Elysium or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, By the same director, Neil Bluth. his name's like Shire something. Um, right, okay. All right. Shire LaBeouf. 
No, thank God it wasn't him. Um, yeah, but uh, that's interesting. No, I agree with you. that. That was that was a fun. Oh, Sh- uh, Shalto Copley. Okay, who who played um, Bia Baracus? Oh, was some MMA fighter. Right. Okay. Yeah. A tough role to fill. T. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, he did an adequate job, and again, he wasn't an actor, so yeah. it would have been nice to see him maybe like get more confident and grow. Did he do the jokes with the? I forget. Did he do the jokes with the milk? And all that, like like T did in the original. No, uh, I mean uh, they they definitely did the flying thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he's a, he, uh, he's afraid of flying and shit, you know, and and he does call people a fool a lot. So yeah. I mean that you know I, they, again they they obviously were like oh let's you know we don't want to make it. Yeah, we just want to yeah, like focus on like he's afraid, and also I like in the movie that they explain why he's afraid of flying. Yeah, and it's because of Murdoch. <laughs> I, like, dude, I loved it back in the eighties. I fucking love that TV show, man. I, I that was must watch TV for me. Back oh, for day. sure, yeah, yeah. It is. Like it was that was a Saturday night. I think it was on early Saturday night. It was probably about a seven thirty slot. Like, and you know, and we often my parents would go out and, and we watch that one like over dinner. Um, that was a fun, fun time period. Like you had Magnum PI, you had um, you know, eighteen. There was a lot of good shows back in those days. Like, yeah, I actually want to. I, I want to get my hands on like the eight, the full eighteen box set, as well as Knight Rider. Dude, you, I, well, I can tell. I saw the Knight Rider box set today in JB Hi-Fi. They got a twenty percent off sale. I saw Ooh, it today. I'll go look at. It. Um, and I've seen eighteen as well. I didn't see it today, but I saw Knight Rider today, and I yes. considered purchasing it. I, I didn't. I almost that, purchased... those two were great shows that I enjoyed watching as a young as a young lad. I almost purchased Ironside. They've got the they've got the full collection of Ironside. Raymond Raymond Burr, um, okay. you, you know the seventies the seventies show because uh, that's always I like Raymond Burr and uh, so that'd be an interesting show. Now Francis Ford Coppola is going to spend one hundred and twenty million dollars of his own money, which is foolish, on his new film. Foolish. It is foolish. He says he doesn't care about the financial impact. He also says he's worth more than one hundred and twenty million. He said that he goes, I've got. I'm like, yeah, but putting your own money into your movies and that much of your own money, that's crazy to me, Francis. But he's he's committed. He says he's got the wine business, which is owned by the kids. It's all solvent. They don't owe anyone anything. So he says, even if I lose it, if I burn through the $120 million, I've still got that. But I'm just like, I, I feel this is sort of dangerous, um, frankly. Um, what do you think, Rich? It's apparently the project he's trying to get off the ground has been something that he's wanted to do for a long time. It's a passion project. Look, I mean, I mean, if you've got the money and you really believe in in what you're doing, I mean, and no one else wants to bankroll you. Although but I think how commercial really is that... it? That's the thing. If it was a bit commercial, he he would get funding. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, what's he but... pitching? That's what I want to know. Yeah, but I mean, hey, don't forget. Um, George Lucas, um, yeah. Star Wars was almost never made. I know. Because, um, you know, no one no one really wanted to do this fantasy sci-fi thing. And he, remember, the only reason he got it is because he said, okay, fine, uh, I'll just, you know, you, get, you make the money off the cinema shit, mm-hmm. I'll just take the toy rights. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he negotiated for, to make it sweeter for them, but otherwise, uh, Star Wars may never have happened. So... It's, now again, that turned out to be a big. Well, I'm not saying this will, but I mean, it still could be a popular movie. It could be so a cultural the thing. I don't know. Passion like... Project is called Megalopolis, um, and it's been mm. it, it, 
so let's try to see what it is going to be about. I don't even know what it's sure there's going to be something about what the fuck it's going to be about. Blah, blah, blah. He hasn't made a movie since 2011's low-budget self-finance Twixt. And he hasn't worked in Hollywood since 1997's The Rainmaker. So he's been out of the game for a long time. He's 82. He's willing to but sacrifice. But he also could be doing it because maybe he's just also disillusioned with... Um... Oh, he's very disillusioned. Yeah, Super and that's why he doesn't. He just wants to own it all and do it himself and have total control. And well, he and he also said stuff, at the so. same time he he basically said um, that it, all the Marvel movies are one prototype, which I don't actually disagree with. I think they're all variations on a theme. Um, he, I mean, this is the guy who I think he mortgaged his house to do the original Godfather, and I think he again put it all on the line. Apocalypse now. I, I mean, he has a history of doing this uh, kind of stuff, but um, yeah, here we go. It's an ensemble piece in, involving an architect rebuilding New York City after a financial crisis cripples the metropolitan hub. So that's the storyline. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, okay, an architect rebuilding New York City. That's his, that's his big thing. Weird. But I guess, you know, he's a brilliant filmmaker. I mean, the guy's brilliant. I mean, he, yeah, some yeah. some of his movies are some of my favorite movies, like Godfather uh, 1 and 2 and Apocalypse Now. I mean, they're brilliant movies. I'm sorry. Like, they're brilliant than most other people's movies ever. Yeah. So. I, but again, that's my point. Like, I mean, from the sounds of it, you think it could just be something like really, but then, you know, it could be filled with, like, metacontextual or... Sure. Uh, you know, uh, allegories, metaphor, like all sorts of like shit uh, and um, stuff. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you're talking about Coppola, like, I mean, it, it could be this just wonderful, weird movie. Did you do the conversation? Because I watched that recently and at first I really disliked it. But as it wore on, I actually got into it. I think that might be one of his really early movies, the conversation. Let's see. Is it directed by Francis Ford? Yeah, it is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, 1974. It's a, have you ever seen that movie with Gene Hackman? It's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a weird movie. I, I uh, don't think so. It's a weird movie. You've it's one of those movies you've got to watch it on a night where you you've got a cup of coffee and you've got time to devote to it because it's it's an odd movie. It's hard to describe. It's very paranoid. It's about a guy who takes people's conversations, surveillance expert, but he's also He's dodgy and he he's fears he's being bugged himself. It's really it's an odd it's an odd movie, frankly, but it's interesting. And Gene Hackman is very good in it, very very good. Gene Hackman is pretty much good in almost everything. Yeah, he so. is. He's very solid, and it, it's kind of Gene Hackman in his prime, like back in nineteen seventy four. I mean, he's really really good in that movie. I'd recommend it if you like films. Um, frankly, it's it's not a, not of the likes of Godfather or Apocalypse. Now it's a little bit more. It's a smaller film, frankly. Um, you've got something here about uh, Zack Snyder fans. What are they pushing for now, Richard? It feels like these guys are constantly fucking pushing for something. Uh, so, so this one's so funny. So they, the, the, these idiots are, are trying to push for Army of the Dead. The zombie film. To get an Oscar nomination because Justice League was Ill, ineligible. Okay. Well, I mean, it still needs to be a good movie. To... <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's not because that's a good movie. It's just that they feel that Justice League is such a brilliant movie. Right. Right. But because I guess... Uh, it, it didn't get a theatre release. Is that yeah, why? They... It, yeah. Or, or it doesn't, maybe the time when it came out or something, you know, because right. there's like a, a window of when movies have to come out and all this sort of stuff. Right. Anyway, whatever the reason, it wasn't eligible. 
Jesus. Although, just because it was Ellie Vigil doesn't mean it would have got a, just a, a, an Oscar nomination. But, of course, these people feel mm. that Justice League, the bestest movie ever made, should yes. get an Oscar nomination. And because it can't, well, just give him one for Army of the Dead, then, even if that movie doesn't deserve an Oscar. No, thank you. Like, how, like how stupid does that sound? Like, seriously. Pretty stupid. Um, but it's, it's kind of what I've come to expect from these guys who... Uh, basically, the worst thing that ever happened was they got their way, and um, you know they got their way, and they feel you know the studio kind of said there's enough of a groundswell here that we can get Zack Snyder, you know, blah blah blah, come back and you know cut up the footage and etc. You know, put it out there, which I I don't mind. Like I mean, it, it's for the fans, but because of that incident, it, it's given these morons. Um, the illusion that they've got a lot more power than they really have and they're trying to call the shots in Hollywood all of a sudden. I'm sorry, I've seen Army of the Dead. Look, it was enjoyable enough. We reviewed it on the show, but it certainly doesn't deserve a fucking Oscar nomination. Um, It's not even close. And uh, Zack Snyder's Just League... Yeah, I don't even think Army of the Dead is a good movie, like visually, thematically. No, I don't think it was good. Acting like nothing. Average. Average. It might be, you know, average. In terms of zombie movies, it's not one of my favorites, and that's where I'm really marking it. Like, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not terrible, but it was also a bit slow from memory. We reviewed it, Rich, if you recall. Yeah, see, the problem with, uh, yeah, I don't know. Zach's not a, his best work has been from like, um, graphic novels yeah we've got the atmospheric <laughs> rain again which i love so a bit of oh backdrop. i can hear your rain now yeah, yeah we a bit of backdrop for listeners we've got a bit of atmospheric rain conditions <laughs> uh yeah no but uh yeah no these uh, they're almost not worth talking about they're idiots basically and um you know i'm I, i'm glad that they're happy you know what i mean I, i'm glad that they're so happy in like what is almost a cult but at the same time it's like chill out guys you know go and watch some other food like i appreciate their passion I appreciate their passion, and Zack Snyder has done some movies I really enjoy. Like I love, I I really enjoy Watchmen. I do, and I really enjoy Three Hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's got talent, kind of thing. So, but this need to sort of, I don't know, sort of fight on his behalf over everything is just. Why don't you just support his new projects? You know, just just go and support his new projects, and we can all be happier with our lives. Don't keep don't keep trying to dig up the past and reboot stuff where clearly the studio has moved on. You know, like go and go and support his Netflix projects and stop fucking twittering and petitioning for all these stupid things. Like, and also just like, just let Justice League go, okay? Just yeah. just let it go. It's done. It's- well, you've got it. You've got the you've you surely I'm sure you, if you wanted to, you, you you've got it on um, HBO Max. You could, I'm sure you could go and buy the Blu-ray of it. And so you've got it. So this is what I'm like with films. Like, there's a lot of movies I like, but I don't tweet, oh, you know, this film from 20 years ago should have been nominated. Like, oh, I'm like, you know what? If I like that movie, I'll just go and watch it. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's the end of the story. Like, at the end of the day, the work is the work. And Zack Snyder's, frankly, done a, done a couple of good movies, really good movies. And he's done some very average movies, but this is every director. So just support his new work. That's what I do with directors I like. Um, support their new work. Give them a try. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, spread the word that way. Stop stop tweeting out this shit. I Honestly, I think Zack Snyder would have such a, in my opinion, I think his career would have been better if he had just continued the graphic novel route. Like, 
because he's that guy where if you give him the graphic novel, he really sticks to the source material. Yeah. Like it's almost a shot for shot, like reconstruction yeah. of the panels. Right. And his movies look beautiful, mm. but when he does his own sort of movies, I just feel it's, it's, it's style and no substance. Well, I, I remember Sucker Punch was the was that when I, that became apparent to me. Yeah, know? I mean that movie is beautiful to look at. Oh, it is. Yeah, like it is. it is gorgeous. This like the cinematography, the, the 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 camera, like it's just it's beautifully shot. Yeah, but it's a garbage movie. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in cinema. It's an but, incoherent, well, absolute mess. I think. Yeah, I agreed. You know. So none of it's new information. I mean, like it's all pretty obvious shit. Like you know what I mean. Like it's all like it, we all we all sort of know it. <laughs> and they, but these guys, I I think that I think you made a comment, Rich, that they're kind of living in a bit of a bubble. They're almost a bit cult like, you know. Like oh, for sure. And for sure. and he's probably fanned the flames a little bit because you know what? It is good. He's got this diehard base, but um, sometimes I think they're doing more harm than good. You know, really, I, I oh, think... look, there's nothing wrong for like playing to your bias and, and enjoying your base and, and, you know, and wanting to be a part of that. But I think you also need to say, hey, guys, calm down. It's cool, man. It's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, we, we got that movie made. Let's move on. Let's. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like his career's dead by any means. Um, I'm pretty confident that he wants to do another movie and hopefully a better one in that zombie world. Um, you know, and, you know, good luck to him. Did, did he do two? Am I, am I right in saying, oh, it was a prequel to Day of the, Dawn of the Dead, wasn't it? Is that what it was? No, it was a prequel to the Army of the Dead. It was about oh. the, the safe cracker. Right, right, yeah, okay. The, uh, so the, he's done the, two, the hasn't he? The German guy, yeah. Am I right in saying he's done two? Yeah, he's done two. He's done the Army of the Dead and a prequel about the, the safe cracker. I've seen both of them, yeah. I've seen both of them, yeah. I didn't right. even bother watching the prequel one. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. It was it, it, the Army of the Dead one was better. Um, Again, <laughs> yeah, no, what a low bar. <laughs> yeah, well, I know it was. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, this is interesting. The next actor to play Commissioner James Gordon talks about how the Batman franchise should invent new villains. Can I just say, where has he been? That's all they fucking do. Yeah, but like, if you want new villains, go to the comics. Please don't create new villains in the movie. There's so many villains oh. in the comics. That you could have, you know, I don't know. I agree and disagree. Why? I mean, they've got so many. They've, they're constantly... no, but no, but don't don't forget that Harley Quinn, one of your favorite characters, came from sure. the cartoon show, and True. she wasn't in the comics. So, I mean, hey, True. put it this way: I mean, if you've True. got, um, I've got no problems with them if they're going to make like, and and but you see, but this is also the problem with so many reboots. Mm. You know, that's why I said like, if you treat the superhero stuff like James Bond. Mm. We could finally get through all the fucking villains. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. all these superheroes have got so many villains, right? But mm. when you decide, okay, it's time to reboot and all that, oh, well, then we've got to use those original villains again. And you're like, oh, oh. you know, but we didn't even get through half of them. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We're going to do I Joker just, again. We're going to do this. Yeah. Again. Oh, let's do the Joker again. Oh, let's do, you know. And I'm kind of like, that's why I think they were on the right track with the, the original uh, Batman movies. Mm. Right, because you had Michael Keenan for the first two, and then they had uh, Val Kilmer for the third one, and George Clooney. Now, I, yes, the movies got progressively worse, but mm. because those four movies were together, the first movie was the Joker, the second yeah. movie was Penguin, and uh, Catwoman is not the villain in it, but she's a, a side character. Mm. And then in the third movie, you've got um, 
Two Face and Riddler. Yep. Right, and then like the fourth movie again, they they went. The problem is, is I think Riddler and Two Face are not a bad team up. The issue is that Poison Ivy and Doctor Freeze are not. Yeah, Mister Freeze and uh, who was oh, sorry, it? Mr. And Bane was just so bad. Yeah, and Bane. Were, but again, that movie kind of fucked it all up. But I'm saying yeah. up until that point, they were on the right track. So we, we we could have gone through a lot more of the villains if we yeah. were maybe saying we're just going to continue and we'll just recast Batman. It's all tied together. It's just but that's different... what I'm saying, dude. They've got so many villains. You don't need to create new ones. Like, no, but I mean, like but what I'm saying is that look, if it, 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 sometimes you might just be like, you know what? Maybe because it's, it's, okay, I'll be honest with you. Like, I think some villains in the Batman universe are good for an issue. Sure. But like not all villains can maybe carry an entire story or arc or anything sure. like that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe if you've got a really good idea for a Batman villain that can like take up a whole movie mm. or something, I'm not opposed to you making up a good villain. And if that villain is popular enough, hey, he comes into the comic book. So, you know, I, I don't mind. I mean, I, I would much rather – can I be honest with you? I mean, I'd rush rather than make a, a new villain than me watch like the sixth iteration of the Joker. Yeah, no, I hear you there. I do hear you there. I, I, I do get a bit tired of uh, not just Batman. I do get a bit tired of sometimes of Spider Man having to reboot, and then you got to do the same guys again. And you know, I, I like it when, and it happens at the cartoons as well. Sometimes I get a bit tired of them playing the same bases a lot, but I also feel sometimes the movies don't do it very well. Like, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't think Rasa Ghul was done very well in the fucking Batman Begins. Yeah, but I, I, to be fair, that's because again, Nolan had no interest in sticking to the source material. So. Yeah, yeah, I know, but 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 I just think that that original, um, I've got, I'm looking at it, Tales of the Demon. That Tales of the Demon that they did in the animated series was fucking great. You know, mm-hmm. they they took the original Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff, and they put it into Batman animated series pretty faithfully, really. You know, and I thought it sang off the screen, just like it sang off the page. And I look, I, that's when I think of Rao Sogul, I think of that kind of stuff. And um, so what I'm saying is sometimes I think they don't even do the proper villains very well. You know, they, they, oh, for they, sure. they, they squander the actual. And maybe, but that's villain. also, you know what, if you're not going to do it properly, then just do your own thing. then. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just, just fucking do what you want then. But do DC have such a big catalogue, not just Batman? I mean, you could bring in characters that are technically kind of Justice league or something. Like, there's a lot of characters you could bring in. I don't know. I think Jeffrey Wright maybe needs to just relax and learn his lines, you know? Um, and also, got... if you if, – if, can I be honest? If you're not a fan, just don't have an opinion. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, if, if you've not really read any Batman comics yeah. – Yeah, that's it. And you're not really familiar, then maybe don't make assertions or – yeah. Uh, exactly. Offer ideas because you, you're coming Batman's from a place of ignorance. Batman's got more than three villains. He's got more villains than just Joker and Two Face, buddy. So, but again, most people it. might not even know that because it's the same. That's right. So they yeah. keep using. Yeah. But yeah, but take a seat then. D- d- don't speak. Um, Chip Zdarsky is DC Comics' new Batman writer. Um, Adam the Computer told me this. So Josh Williamson's run was quite short. Um, well, he was only covering because uh, uh, James Tinian left so suddenly. His little... So he was like an interim, what's it called, an interim? Yeah, interim, yeah, acting. Yeah, yeah so uh, now they're fa- uh, he, uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to be taken over. Chip Zdarsky is not a bad writer. I, I, I He's gotten better. I didn't like him when he kind of first <laughs> came on the scene. I thought he was pretty, because he was always trying to be funny. I like his Howard the Duck. I know you hate it, but I like it. 
I yeah, do. but again, Howard the Duck is something where you can go a bit over the top and more balls to the walls. Yeah. But I kind of feel like he thought he was funnier than he really was in just regular books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but when he, when he dropped that and he stopped trying to be funny all the time, I, I thought, you know what, he's actually not a bad writer. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not that bad when he stops trying to be funny all the time. Yeah, and I think he came in with a reputation of being a bit of a funster. So I think he was trying to play the perceptions a little bit. And then, as you say, I think he's done some stuff that I've read at times where I'm like, this is very professionally done and very good. You know, he certainly impressed mm. me on, on on occasion. Can I say that as well? Like, it's not everything I've read has been like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah, like, he's certainly not, like, consistent or anything. Yeah, he's – he's, but but so few of them are these days too, Rich. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, don't, he's, not, he's not alone in that. He's, yeah, he's 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 more consistent than some of them. Like, oh, oh my God, some of them that they have at Marvel really should be taken out of the back and shot if, if we're talking about the quality, <laughs> of, the quality of their fucking product. Like, if they were horses, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't run them. You'd, you'd put them out to pasture. Um, now, uh, well, you've got some news here about Chameleon. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I don't know who this actor is, but apparently um, uh, Fred Hetchinger? Hetchinger? Mm-hmm. Has been cast as the chameleon for the Craven movie. Right. So I have no idea who he is. I've never seen him in anything. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this guy. Well, I mean, it's an interesting role, chameleon. I mean, I he was in something we read today, uh, one of the Ben Riley books. Uh, I like that it's got Fred Hitchinger born 1998 or 99. It's like, oh, great. So we don't even have a fucking birth date on this guy. He's mysterious. Yeah, he's a young guy. I'm looking at him here. He's, he's the young young guy around town. So, all right. He's in White Lotus, whatever that is. Um, yeah, never seen that, so. Yeah, never, never seen it. So I guess it's a big break for him. Uh, playing Chameleon, a pretty cool character. Is, is Spider-Man going to be in this, Rich? Do we know? Surely Spider-Man's going to have to check. Uh, mate, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Like the origin. Depends. Is, is this... Well, here's the question. Um, is this Craven in the Spider-Man uh, Avengers universe or is he in the Venom universe? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, See, I'm not, I'm not actually opposed to taking some of the Spider-Man villains and giving them to Venom if, mm. if they want him to have his own uh, franchise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because in a way, it kind of like with maybe a bit more of a darker setting with Venom yeah. and Venom being a creature from outer space, you could be like, Craven could be like, oh, I've never hunted a creature from space. Yeah. You, um, and point, sees yeah. that as a challenge. So, I mean, that could be interesting if, if this Craven exists in the, the Venom verse and not the Spider-Verse. So, I mean, uh, but again, I, who, who knows? I mean, who knows? Who knows? There's Surely so many... it's going to be early. Have we got, ha, has Craven been cast? Do we do we have a casting on Craven himself? That's kind of more what I'm focused on. Uh, oh, that's a good I question. A, I think that's a decent question. I think it's going to be far. I mean, Chameleon literally changes form. Was, you know weren't they saying? saying apparently that it was, I thought they did cast him. Okay. Well, okay. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I, I don't think he's been cast. I I don't think it's crossed my desk. I'm going to type it in right now. You talk amongst yourselves for one second, Rich, while I type this in, okay? Oh, uh, Aaron Taylor Aaron Taylor Johnson. Is he is he Craven? Is he the guy who played Kick-Ass? Yeah. Uh, okay. 
interesting choice. He played who? Kick-Ass in Kick-Ass movies. Is that him? Is that Aaron Taylor Johnson? Uh, I thought it was. Yes, I think yeah. that is him, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, he's a decent so apparently actor. Apparently, he oh. has been cast as Craven. Right, well, so they're doing a young Craven, then. They're doing him. Okay, well... Well, right, there must then. be if... if uh... Chameleon's playing his stepbrother, and he's a young guy, so I mean, he can't be. And Russell Crowe's in it too, apparently. Yeah, we speculated he probably could be playing the father or something. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we're, that's right. We do the news. Okay, well, okay. It's, at least it's interesting. There's some interesting bits and pieces coming together with this Craven movie. I'm certainly hoping it, it doesn't go the way of Silver and Black, which I covered on the show for fucking years before it got cancelled. Well, we're still waiting for the. Uh... We're still waiting for the Morbius movie to come out. <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly waiting with bated breath either, Rich. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, that Morbius movie. Yeah, okay. Um, now, uh, Katie Sackhoff. I know you're a big fan, Rich, of Katie Sackhoff, correct? From Battlestar Galactica uh, other things? Um, no. no. Not a fan. I, I mean, we're a fan. I don't oh. dis- I don't. No, 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 no. I don't dislike her, but I'm not a... I'm not a I'm not a fan or anything. I'm not like oh my no, god, I like Katie Sackhoff. I'm like I've always loved really. Katie Sackhoff. And um, anyway, she had this drama which I've seen called Another Life. Um, and I Michelle watches it. I think it's a Netflix show, and I've seen a fair chunk of it. It's actually not that good, but she's good. No, at it it got it got panned pretty heavily. Yeah, it's it's but but I'm just saying it's it's funny that. I've actually seen this show and it's been cancelled. I'm not surprised. Uh, it was it was kind of a show that was just running on fumes. Yeah, but, I mean, considering how uh, badly it got reviewed and, and people were talking about it, I'm actually surprised that it was rev- uh, renewed for a second season. Oh, well, yeah, I think we all were. But anyway, she it plays Bo-Katan. She probably will turn up in The Mandalorian, wouldn't she, Rich? Uh, yes. Although there so, is talk of her getting her own spin-off show as well, so let's that see. you know what here's a here's a comment. I'd watch that. Actually, I like Katie Sackhoff. I'd watch that show. Listen to me, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. I would watch that show for sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't. I don't think we need so many fucking shows with people in armor. How about we get a good smuggler show? Create I'll a new smuggler character. I'll just tell you something, Rich. For the first time tonight, you've come in crystal clear. So whatever you just did to your setup, you suddenly... I haven't done anything. That's crazy because you your sound quality just took a serious notch up with that comment. I, I don't know if you seized the mm. microphone or if it's just the vagaries nope. of the internet. <laughs> it's oh, just the internet. <laughs> um, what did you say? I was so distracted by your sound quality, I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying. Well, what did you say? <laughs> I said, uh, instead of giving us so many shows with the people in the Mandalorian armor, how about they give us, like, create a new smuggler or something and we can have a cool, like, smuggler show or something. Like, just, you know, just spice it up a bit. I've got a suggestion, and this might be radical. Why don't they take it off Tatooine? <laughs> can we get away from Tatooine? Honestly, because it's just so, it's just so easy. <laughs> like, but no shit, it's... I get it's easy, but it's like they've not done anything. Like, give me that show, dude. Uh, and you could have all new characters. I don't fucking need to offer it. Give me that show on Coruscant in the in darker levels or whatever it was. You know the bounty hunter show or something about the criminal underworld. Give me a show. I'm not against Disney spamming us with Star Wars shows. I get the appeal, but give me a show off Tatooine, and maybe 
you don't you know the next show doesn't have to be sort of connected as closely as all these all seem to be sort of feeding off each other so much um i i feel the time is ripe to to explore the universe a little bit more rich well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I—that's why I want to explore. I want—I want different venues. I'm not—I don't need it to be all Mandalorian based. Do you I'll know what I mean? Other. Like, I—I yeah. I w- I would love to just have a night, like a cool, like you know, you—you you kind of like you. In my opinion, they created a character that's kind of become a bit more popular than Boba Fett, right? With the Mandalorian. Yes. yes. So why don't you have a crack at like you know, let's say you know what, let's try and create a new, not Han Solo type character, but a character that can maybe like be as popular as Han Solo and yeah. we have a cool smug because how cool would it be to like uh you know smuggling shit and you know blockades and dealing with like the under again like the underbelly Rendor? would you like a Dash Rendor show oh fuck if they would if they were to create Dash Rendor I'd be very happy like I knew you would seriously. be I actually gave it tears like almost like but they they play. won't like I, they, <laughs> you know they're very really? I don't know that well they, even if they did they'd probably fuck it up like seriously yeah so. I know, they probably would um, and he's never been in live action, has he? He's always been a comic book novel character, yeah? Game, comic, and novel, yes. Okay, everything but. Um, we had a bit of a... There was a sort of interesting dispute on Lord of the Rings. What does Sauron look like under his armour? And the answer is it's complicated. As a Lord of the Rings uh, aficionado, but no means a full-on expert, Sauron, in the first age, could take the visage of humans, of a werewolf. I know he took the visage of a werewolf, so creatures uh, in the Second Age, he could definitely take on human form, and I believe was very beautiful. And in fact, Numenor, when they come to defeat him in their big battle, they take him back to Numenor in chains, and he's he's almost like a, the devil in the ear of the king. And he escapes his chains, or, you know, due to his persuasion and becomes an advisor and ends up advising him to invade Valinor. So he, he could took a human form until then. It seems in the third age, which we see in Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring and all that stuff, he is more of a spirit. Would you agree, Rich? Um, did you, in the movie, they of course do the animated sort of armor, but that isn't in the books. That's, that's Peter Jackson putting that in. Um, do you believe in the TV show? Sauron will take a human form because I think he will. Um, well, they can do whatever they want in the TV show because it's not based on really any of Tolkien's work. So, because you got to remember, yeah, yeah, but you have to remember. So one thing I've found out from just researching this thing is Mm. they are basically creating their own story and law because they actually, the story they're telling, they don't actually have the rights to it. Right. So they don't actually have, the only rights they have are the, the Lord of the Rings. Yes. The three books, the Hobbit. And um, uh, I think one appendices, right? But they don't actually have the rights to the uh, Cimmerillion, and or and the other tales. I heard. I heard. Yes, they don't have the rights to the unfinished tales of the Cimmerillion and all that sort of stuff. So the reason that they've picked this time period is because Tolkien never actually um, expounded too much upon this time period. Mm. Like it's much more like he didn't delve too far into well, it. So they he did he did slightly in unfinished tales. That's some again, of the information. Yeah, but, but they can't use that stuff anyway. So everything they created now, what now what the producers and the showrunners are saying is we're gonna create a story that that is equal to Tolkien's stuff that could sit on the shelf with Tolkien's books. So all the stuff that we're gonna be watching in this Rings of Power is all made up. 
it's yeah. n- it's not and none of it is has been decided by Tolkien. In fact, the only point, stuff yeah. that they can't contradict is stuff that's said in the in the in the books. So I they cannot like change anything that's right. mentioned in the books, but they are going to be making up a ton of stuff and and stuff in this. So don't expect to like see too much of Tolkien's work in okay. in this TV show is what I'm finding out. They need to get like a I mean surely they've got like a like a J.R.R. Martin or someone like writing it for them. They need someone No, who's I, I don't think they've got anyone that talented. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Okay, well, um, what's this about some Tolkien super fans? What's going on, Richard? Oh, so this, uh, I find this quite funny. So um, Amazon flew out a whole bunch of uh, influencers oh, to geez. a castle to uh, and, and let them watch a one-minute trailer, the, the teaser trailer, for like one minute. Flew them all the way to this castle what? to watch one-minute trailer. That crappy and trailer then, we saw the other day. Yeah, and yeah. basically there's like a UK – the, the, and then there's a video for the UK, for Spain, for Italy, for uh, uh, Netherlands, all you know, all this sort of stuff. And right. the UK one got delisted or unlisted, whatever you want to do. So it's basically you got it's very hard to find it right. because it, it was pretty much became a laughing stock because you basically got four people sitting there and all like, oh my god, Loving it's so it, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, if Sauron's sexy, I think people are gonna be like, I can change him. And they're like, oh, I'm oh. so glad to see so much representation and. Oh, I can't oh. wait to see all the people of color and like they didn't oh. really talk about anything Lord of the Rings. Oh. And then they they labeled the trailer or, or the video super fans. Tolkien super fans react to the one right. in the trailer. Yeah. And they're not fans, they just influencers, people with an Instagram account with so enough it's, followers. It's, it's marketing fucking this is just so sad, really. It's just sad. A sad state of affairs. And the funny and thing is, the only one that was delisted was the uh, the UK one. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's such a mediocre trailer as well. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing uh, special yeah. about that trailer. Like I know. Can oh, you imagine spending really all that money, spending all that money to fly uh, at least twenty to thirty people out <sighs> to a castle to watch it? You got to pay for their flights, their accommodation. Are I you shitting me? But did I hate you? Shitting. I hate influencers in the first place. I think they're fucking morons, basically. I really do. I, I, I have a real distaste for that for that very thin veil of celebrity I, I have. I have nothing but contempt for yeah. it. Well, I and mean, if you if you watch the trailer, it'll make you cringe. Like, not the trailer. Yeah. So if you watch the video of them talking, it will literally make your soul cringe. J.R.R. Tolkien's rolling in his grave and the family's just counting the money and just sweating. They're just <laughs> they're sitting there gripping the, the, the couch super tight but just thinking of the cash. They're just like, this is just the well, worst. Let's ever. hope they don't re- uh, ruin their legacy and the uh, money stops coming in. Yeah, I think I, I think the books will forever be fine. I think that I think that that's fine, but uh, this this show. Well, okay, but here's but but here's the thing, and and this is where you got to be like a little bit concerned, right? Is that what uh, what made people go and buy the books again, or also newer people to go like really get like a yeah. spike in their sales was the movies. When those movies came out, because I was working yeah. in the bookstores yeah. at that time, yeah, yeah. there was a massive spike in in sales in that, like For people sure. were coming in and yeah. buying the book. If you don't have a good show like this, it may actually turn people off. Like if this show just turns out to be, let's say it turns out to be bad, right? Let's say it turns yeah. out to be very murky. Bad. It's not really going to encourage a lot of people to go out and buy the oh, books. No. Definitely not. Definitely. Yeah, so totally it can it can hurt your bottom line in a, in a way oh, it where it, it, it could turn it younger or newer readers off. But don't forget they sold it for like half a billion. 
so they've oh got yeah, yeah, cash, yeah 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 you know well that's, these that's, kids do maybe not the future kids no yeah that's true <laughs> Fuck, and how much has gone up the nose you know how much has gone up the <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think everyone's infatuated with drugs as you are david's yeah but like when you've got that access to that level of cash and that level of debauchery you know what i mean it's just like couldn't you imagine people doing lines off the portrait you know his face and stuff like that <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't. If I had that sort of money, I'd be doing a lot more other stuff for that than drugs. Uh, you're doing all sorts of shit. Like, I'd try to get on the stupid space flight to Mars or whatever as well. Yeah, that's what my point. I'd be I'd be like, I need to, yeah, I need to go to the moon. I need to, yeah. you know, uh, 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 go traveling the world. I need to, you know, sure. is, is there a deep sea exposition, sure. uh, expedition that I can go <laughs> see the bottom of the ocean? I, I'd get like, that's, the, that's what I'd be spending my money. Would you go and join Sean Penn in Ukraine <laughs> on his documentary? Maybe. I mean, do I have? To, I don't think. Uh, does he do drugs? I'd say Sean Penn does his fair share. Then I probably no, because I'm not going to be doing drugs. Hard drink and hard living, Sean Penn. Um, yeah. No. Anyway, so that is pathetic, frankly, about these token circled super fans. They should be strung up and you know publicly humiliated for that. Um, now, the first time since the 1961 publication of Michael Moorcock's novel Elric of Melibon, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, the legendary dark fantasy series is going to be a basis for a video game as Runeter has acquired the rights to make a computer game based on the first six books of the Elric saga. I read these books in high school. They are crazy dark fantasy. I was a huge Michael Moorcock fan. Um, have you ever come across this stuff, Rich? It has crossed over into comics occasionally. Elric. Yeah, Elric. He's the, uh, I think I've said this before, he's the proto version of, of The Witcher. Like, there there's, is a a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between him and, and um, there's some. Uh, Geralt. Elric's like, more sickly. Elric's more sickly. He, he needs his sword to get nourishment and stuff. But, you know, it is, it is craziness. Uh, anyway, but I mean, look, it feels like this this video game series is a long way away, so I'm not. Gonna yeah, it I mean, so. look, I mean, hopefully they can do it that it's ex, as ex successful as the, Witcher. the 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 Witcher, because I mean, as I said, Elric did come first, so it's true. Uh, now, Elden Ring, you're saying it appears to be a massive hit, Rich. I bought my oh, copy today. It is getting glowing reviews literally everywhere. I am going to be playing it this weekend. I will have a review. By next week, I I have bought it. I've installed it. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I was I was busy today, but um, yeah, I've I've got it. George R. R. Martin wrote it. Rich, did you know that? I did. Yeah, I didn't know that until like days ago, and it's also by the makers of the Dark Souls and Demon Souls games. Um, I believe, as well. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pumped. I, I haven't played a second yet, so I can't comment. Um, but I will certainly be playing it this weekend. Uh, looks like tennis will probably rain. I tomorrow. will not be playing it this weekend because I will be playing Total War Warhammer Three. Well, you can give. A I review just picked on... up my copy of that today. You can give a review on that next week because I'm interested in that. Actually, did you get that via Steam? Uh, I bought no. I bought the. It, I play it through Steam, but I bought the physical copy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, um, yeah, well, because I own the others physical, so. Uh, but it's on Game Pass, by the way. Is it really the PC? A PC Game Pass. Oh well, that's included in the Xbox, isn't it? Yeah, Game Pass. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know that. Um, so if you want to check it out, you can get it on your PC for, through Game Pass. Oh, I will check it out at some point. So next week, you do a review of Total War Warhammer 3, and I'll do a review of Elden Ring. Okay, that's for next week. Sounds um, good. Now, what have you got here? Street Fighter 6. What's happening? Right yeah, uh, Street Fighter 6 released a teaser trailer. Sweet. Um, for Is the this new for game. consoles? For consoles? Yeah. Should be. I mean, oh, all the Street yes. Fighters have come to console. Uh, in Hell this yeah. one, uh, it looks like they're pushing this new character, Luke, to be the new main character. Uh, Ryu's looking a little bit older there. He's got the beard and everything now. Where's Ken? Um, Ken? Didn't see, Ken wasn't in the, This was only a teaser trailer, so it was just right. uh, Ryu and this Luke guy facing off. Luke looks like an yeah. absolute twat, though. Uh, <laughs> what, what are we, what, what's kind of going on with Luke? Like, look quite well, I mean, just look. Uh, I don't know because I think he was introduced in Street Fighter Five. I'm bringing um, up when we're talking. I play a lot of Street Fighter Five. He, he seems to be the. Um, he, apparently, he's going to be kind of. They want to kind of move the, uh, the the franchise to be around him as the main. Right. The main character. Uh-huh. Okay. Looks right, a bit I like a. I'm looking at it. He looks now. like he looks like he's got like the blonde hair like Ken and all that sort of stuff, but he's also got a yeah. bit of a, a guile look to him with like he the does American... look a bit guile. I was thinking of guile when I was looking at him, yeah. Yeah, it, it, he kind of looks like a mashup of Ken and Guile. Okay. Um and I think he's more of a kickboxer dude. Yes, he does look very kickboxery in this picture. Or at least very MMA ish, so Okay. Well, I'm oh, actually, it looks like he may have been. Uh, if just from looking at some of the images, it looks like he is actually an army dude like Guile. So yeah, it looks okay. cool. So anyway, it looks like he's going to be the main pro tag going well, forward. I'm, They're I'm going to transition the fucking, to that. It's... Dude, I'm down for the fucking game. I mean, who gives a shit about the story in Street Fighter anyway? Well, the fighting is what yeah. I want. You know. Well, they, uh, now, speaking so, of Street Fighter, the, there is actually something I'm interested in. There's the Capcom Fighting Collection coming out. Okay. Right, which is a collection of uh, Capcom fighting games. And uh, I think there's 10 games mm. in all. Mm. And some of the titles have never even had like a, an official like North American, like Western console release. Okay. Um, stuff like Darkstalkers, Red Earth, and Cyberbots. Uh, Darkstalkers was a fantastic game. I remember playing that in the arcades. Uh, that's the one where you like play, you can choose like Dimitri the Vampire. Um, there's... Uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster. There's a mummy, kind of almost looks like a pharaoh. There's a, a British zombie, <laughs> punk That's rock cool. dude. What, what, what's the game um, called? Dark Stalkers. Sounds cool. Yeah, that was a really fun game. I really fucking enjoyed that. Uh, and then Red Earth and Cyberbots. Like a lot of those characters do make an appearance in like the Capcom uh, versus Marvel games and all that. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, from yes. this stuff and all that, especially Cyberbots. So I, I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to be grabbing this, this uh, Capcom fighting collection when it comes out. I'll so this is coming out on that. consoles as well, Rich? Is it, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and cool. what, as I said, what's really cool is that there's quite a few of those titles that have never, ever gotten a Western console release. So this will be the first time they've ever come to console. Do we have release in, in dates on Street Fighter 6 and on this? Capcom fighting thing you're talking about? Uh, I don't think there's a release date for Street Fighter 6 yet because that was just a... Man, I love teaser, Street Fighter 5. But I would imagine it would probably be... I would imagine it would be next year, maybe. If not, maybe the end of the year. A trailer for the latest installment of the Street Fighter hit on February 26. It says here, or February 21. 
Um, blah blah blah. Release date. Now it's a tweet. So that that February news. one was first, I think, at a um, the, one of the tournaments, right? And then they released it um, like on YouTube and all that. Now looking at this thing, the Street Fighter. But 6 I don't promo think there's an official on, release date yet. The Street Fighter Six promo comes on the release on the heels of game developer Capcom's announcement that ten vintage games, which we were just talking about, Rich, will be available on June 24, twenty twenty two. The for that's for the vintage ten pack. Um. So that's June 24, 2022. But yeah, there is no release date on Street Fighter 6. Yeah. So, okay. Cool. It just says expected quarter three, 2022. But again, as I said, that could also just uh, uh, fall into 2023 if it gets maybe yeah. delayed or well, they give an official date or something. So, Well, I'm down. I'm down for it. Like, you know. So that's, um, um, that's some Capcom news for the week. Yeah, I love it. I love it, Rich. Uh, and that brings us to Weekly Comics, Rich. Um, yeah. Now, first up. Uh, we by the, I've got a couple of announcements for for show listeners. Um, we're going to be having Jerry Conway, the creator of Punisher and many other things, on the show uh, late March, early April. And I can announce that coming up, we will have James DeMatteis coming back on the show, Richard, um, in April. And we are very excited for both of these uh, writers. It's Jamie Mateus' second turn at uh, Signal. So he enjoyed the first time. Lovely guy. I've got to say this. Lovely person to speak to. Um, just just chatting to him on email about uh, sorting the show details. And just a lovely man. And Jerry Conway, very, very pleasant. He'll be coming on. So Jamie Mateus took a trip to the time machine. And it's Spider-Man Ben Riley. Um, the first issue came out a couple of weeks ago, but the second one came out this week. So I said, well, why don't we do issues one and two together? Um, the storyline is it's set back in the day where Ben Riley is the Spider-Man. It's the period where Peter and Mary Jane have gone away to Portland to have the baby. And yeah, this, this, this is Marvel tapping into the 90s again. Like they, yes. they, These are like these little mini things that they're doing where – they're getting uh, writers to come back and, and, and dip their toes back into the 90s Well, time uh, you know what? Frankly, my, my response is do more of this because I thought this was very fun stuff. Um, real page-turning stuff. I like that his Ben Riley's got more of an edge to him, uh, which Ben Riley did always have. He always had that kind of feeling of being a little bit... Well, he always know, had a chip on his shoulder, you know. That's exactly what I was about to say. The chip on his shoulder, Rich, very well put. And yeah, I mean, I, I dug these. Um, Jane DiMatteis just knows how to do the job. I, I really feel like, I feel the art's adequate. I could go for a more 90 style of artwork, personally. I think the artwork was better back in the day. When you had well, not many, of those, not many of those artists are working yet still, so. I know. Um, <laughs> th- this guy did a decent job. I liked the storyline of how Scorpion turned up at the end and then he's not sure if it's the real Scorpion. I liked the therapy session with the doctor at, uh, is it Ravencroft or Ravenloft? Mm. I forget what, what it's called. Something like that. Raven yeah, something. I mean, I, I think for two very solid issues by James DeMatteis. I'm giving it 7.5 out of 10 for both issues. Uh, where were you, Rich, on this? Uh, this was probably the best books I read this week. Um, yeah. Uh, honestly, like, um, this is, like, old but new, yeah. but written by a fantastic writer. Yeah, who, exactly. I, I, I'm sorry, even at this stage... Um, oh, yeah. He's still That's putting so many of the writers to shame. Like this was really, really enjoyable read. I mm. thoroughly enjoyed it. I felt like I was back in time 
mm. you know, just reading great comics again. Yeah. Um, oh, sure. For well, me, it's 8.5 out of 10. How much, Rich? Yeah, but again, but he hasn't, but he hasn't written it in like such a long time. So it's just surprising right. that like how good he is. How again, the, the quality of his writing nice. and his and his uh, uh, talent that he can just go. I'm I can pick up where I left off in the nineties. It's crazy, and I can still tell I, a good story with this character, even though I haven't written I, this, this character in like thirty years. I, I honestly oh, think 20, this guy years. has never written a bad Spider Man story. I, I, I think he's always brought his A game to the table with Spider Man. I, I, I think Javier Mateus, he's very similar to Chuck Dixon in terms of quality. He always churns out good quality, um, but sometimes he, he goes above his own natural bar. And I feel with Spider Man, it seems to always bring the best out of Javier Mateus. I, I, I just love his Spider Man. I always do. And again, you know, it's hard these days. You, you pick up one issue, you know, you, you flick through it. But I read one issue and I was like, man, I, I, I'm so glad I've got the second issue to read because I'm hooked, you know? He's hooked me. And and I'm not the biggest Ben Riley fan, mm. but he makes me care. I mean, I don't mind Ben Riley, believe you me. I, I don't mind him, but he's always my number two guy. But I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. Like, James Dimitrius, you know, he's one of these guys that you just think, I, I guess that he he's one of the ones who still gets regular work, but I'd almost give him more work. I think he's he's an absolute gun. Um, you know, and Marvel are, are wise to bring him back for this, I think, really. I think they're wise, yeah. really, frankly. I mean, you know. one of the things I like about Ben Riley, though, what I like about Ben Riley is that uh, it's still Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah, sure. You know, so, I mean, it's it's not like, oh, we're replacing him with different characters. Like, no, it's still literally Peter Parker. It's just a different version of yeah. Peter Parker. Welcome to the Ponderosa, my friends, for an evening of songs and stories about the American West, a land of legend, of romance, of friendship and loyalty and courage, a motherload of remembrance, a true bonanza. We chased Lady Luck till we finally struck Bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold Bonanza. With a horse and a saddle and a ring full of cattle, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, how trite is the name. Fortune smiled the day we piled upon the Rosa claim. Here in the West we're living in the best Bonanza. If anyone fights any one of us, he's got to fight with me. And Joe and Adam know every rock and pine. No one works, fights, or eats like those boys of mine. Here we stand in the middle of a grand bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold bonanza. With a house full of friends with the rainbow ends, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, our pride is the name. Fortune smiled the day we filed the Ponderosa claim. Here in the West, we're living in the best bonanza. The friendliest, whiteness, lovingest band that ever set foot in a promised land. And we're happier than them all. That's why we call it Bonanza. 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 
Okay, kids, well, guess what? Um, despite myself and Rich putting in the big ones uh, and get, trying to give listeners the ultimate experience, like the ultimate audio listening pleasure, we actually had a bit of a snafu and we lost uh, the, the latter portion of the show where we covered the rest of the weekly comics and the Justice, the Justice League book. Now, look... Um, we did it quite quickly. Um, I'm going to do a recap of the whole thing. Uh, but, like, you, literally, it was, like, the last probably 25 minutes, half hour of the show. I thought, you know what? It, he, you haven't had Solo Dave for a while. Solo Dave, you've had already three hours of being rich. Uh, I can give you Richard's scores because, by the way, he, he disliked everything. Um, <laughs> so that was easy to remember. Um, okay, so... We just wrapped up talking about James DeMatteis and how much we enjoyed um, the Spider-Man. I think we both gave it... I gave it a 7.5 for the two issues, and I think Rich gave the same. Um, then we had Ghost Rider 1, which is the Benjamin Percy uh, reboot with Johnny Blaze. I, I, I quite enjoyed this. I thought it was 7 out of 10. I thought it was very solid. I liked uh, the comic overall. I liked the way that uh, he was confined to sort of like what seemed like a kind of, not heaven, but like a idyllic existence. Uh, Roxy was there. It was kind of, um, you know, sex on demand kind of style with her. She was very foxy, foxy Roxy. And, um, you know, there's a, and he, he had kids. He had everything. He did have the amnesia, he, but he was drinking himself to blackout. Uh, he had the rider clawing inside him. Um, Richard thought it was too rushed. Um, that they probably should have taken a couple of issues before the rider emerged. But I said, counterpoint to that, fans of the rider want to see him in an issue one. Um, Rich did make the point that um, they could have had dream sequences with him in it. At the end of the day, I thought it was a 7 out of 10 and quite solid. And I was just saying uh, to Richard, why can't they have the rider going from town to town, roaming, like back in the old days, uh, where, where the rider would go from town to town and roam around and uh, the wanderer, so to speak. Uh, that's the rider that I remember, that I love, uh, just constantly on the move. Uh, why not? But um, anyway, so, but Rich was saying the world has moved on and times have changed. And I'm like, well, times may have changed, but I haven't always changed with the times. You can't always, you know, it's it's nice to blend with the times. But, you know, not every rock artist has that has that 80s pop album in them. Some people go against convention, go back to basics. Bob Dylan, for example. The studio didn't help him. You know what I mean? The, the, the trickery of the studio got in his way, I think, in the 80s, as the 80s wore on. He kind of tapped out, and then eventually came back with some acoustic albums. In the early 90s, I remember it. Couldn't be more bare bones than they were. Stacker Lee, Black Jack Davey, all those kind of songs. Yeah, we're getting off track. Uh, 7 out of 10 from me. I know. I remember Richard gave it a 5. Um, I did enjoy it. But I would like to see the rider roaming from town to town again. Uh, no connections. Just blazing. Total freedom. Feels like freedom. Shout out to Brian Biggie at Inner Demons. Um, legend of the game. Court Jester. A legend of the road. He's been riding a long time on that fiery highway to hell. Um, yeah, and he always says to me, I know there's pain when he changes into the rider, but I, I said to Rich, I might just stay as the rider 24-7, just on. I'm just on. Forget Blaze. Forget Dave. 
just the rider. Pen and stare, chains, the open road, travelling down Route 666. Oh yeah, starting to ring some bells, isn't it? Like, oh man, maybe I am the rider. Um, you know, 7 out of 10. Then we had Berserker 7. Now, Rich and I actually had two fairly different reactions to this. I felt it was a good issue. Yes, the overall storyline is a tad boring, but they do a really cool flashback sequence in this. And it's not just a normal flashback. It's all about this, this, uh, they call it technology. It turns out it's his hand. But anyway, it goes back from the current time to some arms dealers got it off Russia, who got it off the Nazis. And so far you're like, yeah, okay, Nazis, who got it off um, some other people, who Ottoman Empire, um, it goes back and back and back and back to the times of Rome, to the times of Egypt, to prehistory, to one of the original battles, I believe, in Babylon. And you see that he was there, and he got his, uh, the Count of Reeves character got his uh, uh, hand chopped off, which of course he regrew, but someone actually kept the hand. And that hand became like an artifact, a cult artifact. It's pretty interesting. I really enjoyed the flashback sequence. Um, I actually dug it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it was the coolest thing in the book. The book was weird in that it had some strange artistic choices. It was very loose art from Rongani. Um, too loose uh, for the scenes that weren't flashback. Like, you could almost barely tell it was Counter Reeves. It was very loose artwork. I don't know why. Richard was saying they really should use different colorizations on the flashback scenes. Uh, I thought he made a good point. Um, I don't know. Look, it's 7.5 out of 10 for me. I, I can't remember what Richard gave it. it. It wasn't much more than a 5. might have been a 6. I think it was a 6. Um Look, the story is moving at a snail's pace, but I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, it's not the greatest story, but it's not the worst either. Like, you know, in today's comics world where so much of the stuff that's churned out is just shit, this is not bad, like, by any means. And I would like to see them get a bit more expansive with the story. It ends up with him locked up in, a, in, a, in like, a box under the earth, and they're trying to really... Um, move on his memories, I think, by get, get, by the huge power discharges that he gets, and um, they're hoping that that sort of is, forms its own kind of weird therapy. But anyway, it was cool. Um, then we had X-Deaths of Wolverine 3. Richard really didn't enjoy this at all. I did. I thought it was the best one from either of the X-Lives or X-Deaths of Wolverine. I, I finally, this X-Deaths of Wolverine stepped up. We had some um, insights into Maura McTaggart. Um and how she's trying to stop the mutants now, and I still am confused. I, I really probably should try out try reading out some of the X-Men stuff, because I do find it interesting, but she's really betraying the X-Men now, and it flashes forward to the far future. Richard was saying to him the future of the X-Men was always days of future past, and I actually thought Apocalypse goes even you know further than that. But um, it's all pointing towards a different future, a future which doesn't understand, a, a future that I'm cloudy on too. Um... It is eerie. They are slightly malevolent now, the X-Men. Um, maybe not Wolverine, but um, there's just something about them that's a bit off. But I think that's that's intentional. Um, the position in them to almost be villains, which I'm not sure is a great idea, uh, really long term. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I enjoyed this storyline. You, you saw Badger. I mean, Richard really hated it. You saw Badger. 
uh, X-23 Wolverine and Dakin, who I could have done without uh, fighting this Wolverine, who's got this phalanx technology. I'm, I'm not actually sure what the phalanx stuff is, but it's cool. Um, and it seems like he's come back from the future to stop her. And she's, she's saying that because they're sending people from the future to kill her, it gives her hope that she's actually achieved something um, in her desperation. What she's trying to achieve, I'm a little more, bit more cloudy on, and I think partly that's because I'm not reading the regular X-Men comics, but it is enjoyable. I gave it 7 out of 10. I don't think Richard gave it more than a 5. He might even have given it a 4.5. Um, that's Weekly Comics. Uh, turning to the trade of the week, um, this was JLA classified, 50 to 54. Um, that was then, this is now. Roger Stern on writing duties, uh, John Byrne on art duties. Uh, it's very solid. I mean, Richard and I spoke about it at length. Um, it's a really some good intercutting between the JLA Year One team and how Batman and Superman eventually come onto the team and then the JLA current team for the time period, which was... Uh, Towards the end, the end, it was kind of during the faltering days of the JLA title, and this was in fact the last arc of the JLA classified. It is a strong story. Um, Roger Stern, he, he never lets the side down. It's a strong, solid story. The artwork by John Byrne is good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's either of the best work. I think Roger Stern turns in a per de- perfectly decent, acceptable script. Uh, John Stewart's The Green Lantern, Richard and I were discussing. He is just the dullest Green Lantern of all time. Um, he's slightly better in this because at least he does something, but God, personality-wise, he's nothing. Flash is good in this. Uh, they use both Flashes. You see Barry Allen and then Wally West in the present. Um, that was good. Um, good Superman and Wonder Woman moments. They're really overwhelmed by this creature. Richard was saying he never got this sense that it was a planetary wide danger, that it was quite an enclosed story. Okay, but maybe that's because it was in a supplemental title, I think we both agreed that this was stronger than what was in JLA post-Kelly. So after Kelly, the JLA title really went downhill uh, in, a, in a heap. Uh, and that was due to, you know, I, I think them struggling to top what had, what had gone previously. I think they were struggling to beat the Morrison-Wade-Kelly uh, stuff. But um, also the team, there was a lot of changes to the team. They took out a lot of key members. I'd heard the book. Uh, in this one, it is all key members. Uh, it's great to see Black Canary and Green Arrow in the past um, and see their interaction and stuff and Pretty Bird. And he says, she says, you'll never be my pretty bird and, he, and, and, he's, and uh, I'll never be your pretty bird. And he's like laughing. Uh, look, it was a, this is a fun, entertaining arc. And if someone was a lover of JLA, they should have this on their shelf because it is good, consistent, solid comics. Uh, Roger Stern has that habit. He reminds you this is this is back to basics, uh, blueprint comics. Um, a guy who's, I think, he stands the test of time. He he can he did this like let's say when was this? Probably about two thousand five six. Uh, he rolled in. He he put out. It's a hell of a lot better than the, hell of a lot better than the awful Chris Claremont John Byrne story that they did. Uh, after Kelly in the main title, which was awful and actually almost killed my interest in the title. Um, this was definitely not as um, promoted, probably because it was in the classified title and this was the end of the classified title, but it's a lovely wrap-up to that era, um, uh, which was a great era for the JLA, really, frankly. From the Morrison, you know, that that period of JLA was, was very strong. 
I'd, I'd put that even higher than the satellite era stuff. Uh, and, of course, you've got Gardner Fox, you know, batting absolute clean-up and just just destroying it. And no matter what Adam the computer says, destroying it in the 60s, just crushing it week after week. Um, just a machine. If we could just bring Gardner Fox back, I'd give him an old-school typewriter and say, just go for it. And he goes, what about a word processor? You don't need one. Just a typewriter will do fine. If he wants to get up to date, he can, but what a machine. All plot, all the time. Love it. Um, look, this was fun. I gave it 8. I think Rich might have given it a 7.5. Um, it's worthy. You can get the trade. I do own the individual trade. Um, you can also find the issues online, um, and it's issues 50 to 54. And a shout-out to Michael Kellishem, who chose this. This was actually... Um, excuse me for yawning. This was actually Michael's choice um, that we're doing this week. And it was a strong, solid choice. And he had it in his long box with the Golden Perfect, um, which I, we all know he disliked, <laughs> although we enjoyed it. But, uh, look, it was fun. Um, I, Richard has a choice uh, this week coming up. And I want to say... I said, what's it, what, is the, what is it called? Yeah, it's called The Mighty. Well, so far I can't even find The Mighty, but if anyone can find it, I'm, I'm going to try to find this book. It's a comic book called The Mighty, and that's what we're doing uh, next week. Rich's choice. Um, hasn't had a choice for a while. Uh, kind of as Emperor of Signals, sometimes I make a few changes, make a few pronouncements. Caesar style. You know, when Caesar was invading Gaul, uh, at the end of the day, sometimes he had to say the troops are going here. Wasn't a democracy. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't delude yourself. It's a democracy, Caesar would say. He goes, you don't like it? You know, there's the, there's the exit. You really don't like it? We can sort that out too. Um, regardless, Rich has chosen the mighty, so which I'm in- interested to read once I can find it. Um, and I do want to say a thank you to all the listeners, uh, all the supporters of Signal of Doom, all the supporters of Legion Outpost you've come across. If you, if you haven't checked out uh, Legion Outpost, check it out. Adam and myself just recorded a new show. Um, as well, I want to say thank you very much to the Patreons. Um, you're helping keep this show alive. You're helping pay the costs of producing the show, hosting it, all that kind of stuff. Look, for as little as $1 or $2 per month, it can re- it really helps. So patreon.com slash signal of doom. If you can give a little bit, you help a lot. Um, that's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, I'm trying to build an empire here. I'm trying to take over the star system. It's within my grasp, but I do need some assistance. And, you know, in my war cabinet, because that's what we'll always... We'll always be at war. War. Um, maybe there'll be a position for you as a minister of the interior or something like that. Um, so that's 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 about it. It's a wrap-up. Um, I've probably... I've done 15 minutes. We probably did 20, so you've probably missed out on five. But I hope that, you know, it's been a while since you've had a jump shot. This is a mini jump shots or solo, Dave. Just record a solo album. You know, like John Lennon during the Beatles, he just whipped out a couple of solos. Um, why not? And, and that's what's happened here. Um, I also, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed talking about Elvis in the episode. I, I could have kept going. I, I seriously at one point was like, I almost started ditching the news because I was like, I could just stay on this topic. We could go movie by movie, album by album. Wouldn't worry me. Um, but I think Richard had enough. Return to sender. Um, yeah, man, don't be cruel. Um, yeah, great times and rock and roll. Uh, I want to say thank you and good night.